Have you hugged a Muslim today? Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, July 22nd, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 428. This is No Agenda. Trying to figure out how many guns equals an armory here at Camp Mofo in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin Tejas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the weather is fine and there's no shootings, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Slow news week. Yeah, you know, it's a shame because I was hoping we'd have something to talk about on this show. <laughs> God, I hate these weeks. It's so hard because then you really have to dig and you got to look around and see what's, you know, what's being covered up. And for those of you uh, listening to this in the future, this is the week of the Dark Knight Batman Colorado movie theater massacre. Yeah, actually, I have the uh, the one I think that I think the one that nailed it in terms of uh, here it is. It's called the it's called the Dark Right. Play this clip. The Dark Knight Rising movie massacre next the dark knight rises movie massacre and how to stay alive if you're caught in a theater shooting i want you to get down get on the floor make yourself low low profile flat plus the rampage played out in real time yeah (laughs) so um uh, in your did you get out at all were you out of the house be well, I no. I mean, I don't get out of the house much. I'm holed up usually doing research for this show. That was priceless. Let me, can I ask you something? That was priceless. Uh, but no. Did you did you ever hear so many scripted oh, yeah. interviews? Oh, I mean, and, and the same people. Control. The same people over and over again. It's the same people. I see the same interviews on every channel. Now, let me just say this, because uh, in the uh, in the alternative media, there's tons of stories about this being a false flag, about this being a setup, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it would be really easy to dive into that. Um, but I think we have to say qui bono in this case. Uh, if this was a setup false flag, it most definitely was not done by the people running the Obama presidential campaign, nor the Romney presidential campaign, because neither of these candidates, no one in their right mind running for president, would want to have this conversation right now. None of them. You will agree with me on that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I. I. I'm. I think we're probably going to agree on most of this because we're. I think. People listening to the show expect us to be deconstructing this and also looking for what this might be covering up some other news. You know, there's other items that are out there. Yeah, there is some stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, but this is the most interesting for just numerous reasons. Uh, I I got the biggest kick out of people predicting what we'd say. And uh, false flag was one of them. The other one is MK Ultra. Somebody put on my blog. Oh, Adam's going to say it's MK Ultra, you know, which (laughs) is like, why? But there's this is an interesting... uh, well, scenario only from the perspective of the scripting that went on. In fact, if any, if you had the opportunity or anybody out there had the opportunity to watch a real gem, it was the 48-hour show on CBS mm. uh, yesterday, which uh, within 48 hours, curiously, just by coincidence, they put together the biggest pile of packaged material I have ever seen, all of it extremely scripted. And in fact, I have a couple of clips that 
where you can just almost hear the guy reading the script, and it's like two people involved in the in these interviews, uh, and it's just like a real head shaker. And then I'm, you know, I've dug up a couple of things that might be interesting. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Do you want me to play your obvious script CBS first, then to to back up your? Well, if you want to, yeah, if you want to go in that direction, there's a couple. I might as well get some of the scripted stuff out of the way so people can kind of get a clue about this. Now, here's a guy interviewing another CBS guy. This guy, the one guy's on the scene, uh, and he is uh, interviewing a guy that's in Washington, D.C., who's who looks like a CIA guy to me, but he's a CBS correspondent. I've never seen him before. Hey, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Now, listen to the script and, and the, the questions that are asked. I want you to, you. I want you to tell me if you would ever in a million years ask these questions. And the third question, in fact, the last question is the one that is the most ludicrous. I've never heard anyone ask this question before. And it was just obvious softball. So this guy could yak away that police do want the answers. What warning signs were missed, if any? And what moved a quiet neuroscience grad to allegedly commit mass murder, Jeff? What happens immediately to all the evidence that's been collected? Well, a good part of the physical <laughs> evidence, I'm thinking of the chemicals, what's left of the homemade devices, uh, that will be taken to the FBI lab in Quantico here in Virginia uh, for analysis. Uh, in addition, cyber experts want to take a hard look at Ooh. any computers they might find, hard drives, uh, files, thumb drives, and police, of course, also will be interested in any personal writings, uh, journals, manifestos, notes, anything that Holmes <laughs> Manifesto, might have saved along yeah. the way. <laughs> And Bob, what are they looking for now? Well, specifically, they want to find anything that sheds some kind of light on his state of mind, especially over the last four months. Uh, who did Holmes stay in touch with? How often was he in touch with them? Uh, importantly, what websites did he visit? Uh, the bottom line is investigators are going to essentially try to map his behavior. They'll follow all of his communications and contacts out what they call the tree to see if all of that adds up to some kind of motive here. <laughs> These are CIA guys. <laughs> now, it's like, what are they looking for now? What kind of a question is this? The manifesto. And why would he know the guy is in Washington, D.C.? Well, he's at Quantico. It's where they know everything, obviously. Well, let, let, let me uh, let me take you in a few directions here. But, well, before that, I want to do one more scripted thing because it's funnier. All right. I, I want to, this was. This, <laughs> really? Th funnier than what I've got? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Probably not for the sounds of it. But let me Stephen Baldwin came on with Don Lemon. Oh, yeah. And Baldwin comes on because he's a big gun enthusiast, but he thinks this is bad. And so now I, I, I took two little clips out of about a three and a half minute piece. And I just took the beginning, the very beginning of the three and a half minutes where Lemon stepped on the script. Oh, really? Oh, this is uh, oh, interesting. Hold and on. so you had, I could have, in fact, I have the whole, uh, the whole, uh, you have to be for careful. For the show notes. Now I see it for the show the notes. The show you notes. So you right. can hear the whole thing. And so Baldwin stepped on this, on the thing and, and, I'm sorry, yeah, but Lemon, Lemon stepped on on Baldwin's line and Baldwin spent the next two minutes worming his way back. And he, and at the very end, he, and, and Lemon finally realized what had happened, so he kept him on extra long. He finally comes through at the end this, with his with the little zinger he needed. This, so this guy purchased six thousand rounds just ask you in about, the six yeah. to eight weeks prior. I mean, perhaps 
Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a gun advocate. I am. And um, obviously, this is tragic. Uh, I don't want to go there with the whole guns aren't the problem thing. Um, I believe in personal protection myself. But I think that maybe in the future, as part of the Patriot Act. Should you, should you be able to buy 6,000 rounds in a short amount of time? With, with these things continuing to happen, now even as a gun. Uh, okay, so he stepped okay. on the Patriot Act. Yeah, he was going to say something about the Patriot Act. He stepped on him. And so now we wait and wait and wait. And now after two minutes or more of this jacking, we come to the – he brings it home and then Lemon can close him out. Sure, what that means. Yeah, very good. You're very careful. But you're very honest. <laughs> you said it made you rethink yourself. Yeah, I think yeah. that, you know – and again, with the Patriot Act, you know, there's there's – monitoring and surveillance that's allowed to happen. I think that a red flag should have gone up when this guy bought 6,000 rounds right. or something in such a short period of time. Huh. Stephen Baldwin, thank you. All right. Red flag. It was, it was unbelievable. Red flag. But he came on for this little pitch, and he did it. And he, and and he, it, would just, it took him three minutes to get there. Interesting. And what's weird is that they also, they, you know, Lemon had all these memes. I, people should listen to this sometime. Lemon had all these memes. And my favorite one is, well, when the founding fathers came oh, up yeah. with the Second Amendment. And I always like to, my retort is, hey, you know, uh, Cassius Clay, uh, Henry Clay's brother, they had a had cannon. A cannon. <laughs> well, uh, okay, since, you, since you're going that direction, on uh, CBC, the uh, Canadian broadcasting, because it's always interesting to see what other countries are saying. They had on uh, Robin Thomas, who is a representative from the Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, which is a San Francisco organization, which was started after, I believe, it's a, a bunch of lawyers, was started after um, 10 lawyers were killed in some law firm shooting. Do you remember any of this in, in San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, they were, cor some maniac went up, they were cornered. Nowadays, this would be terrorism, of course. Yeah. Uh, they were cornered in the uh, uh, in the building, and he just killed a bunch of attorneys. And you know, it was uh, apparently big news. It is also the butt of a lot of jokes, if you can imagine. So here's what the uh, lawyer said. And those type of weapons absolutely don't need to be. Of course, this is the big meme, right? Now we're back to uh, words like ballistic, military, um, these types of weapons, armory, arsenal. Legal don't need to be accessed by civilians. Civilians, in our society, hey, citizens. Yet they are legal in the United States. So. There's certainly even minor steps that we could take to um, begin to address this issue. Obviously, and this is important, John. You as a constitutional law professor, it will be interesting to hear what she has to say. There's a lot more that we would need to do to really um, make significant progress. But, but you look at the mass shootings that have happened even in the last few years, almost all of them, uh, the shooter utilizes these military-style weapons. Military. And, and we believe there's absolutely no reason for them to be legal in the United States. And what is the answer to that? A, like a, a, a national law outlawing that? You've got a constitution that gives Americans the right to bear arms, right? Script. You know well, listen, here it comes. No, the Constitution only gives a very, according to the Supreme Court, the Constitution only gives you a limited right to have a gun in your home for self-defense. <laughs> really? What? <laughs> yeah. What? What? Yeah. Where was this? Well, well this what, is, what, what? Yeah, this is really interesting. You can't have a rifle. You can't go shooting. You can't do anything. What? Do you only have a limited right to carry a gun in your home? Well, this is. What is what, what well, kind of an aborted mess is this? Is the well, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. This is um, and this is all over their website, smartgunlaws.org. Uh, I was not aware of this, but of course, I wasn't aware of their. Um, uh, of this organization either. Uh, this is based on the Heller and McDonald decisions. And according to the Heller and McDonald decisions, 
there's uh, all you know. They basically uh, analyze and twist and turn the uh, Second Amendment uh, into what is necessary uh, as it pertains to the right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever in any manner whatsoever for whatever purpose. The court apparently on the District of Columbia versus Heller struck that down. So that's why uh, you know, there's, uh, it's all in the show notes, of course. But I just thought it was very interesting that she would say that. So there's no uh, big, broad, unlimited right like I think some, the NRA and others would have you believe. We did have an assault yeah. weapon. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's too funny. I like it, yeah. Ban, a federal assault weapon ban in the United States for 10 years, from 1994 to 2004, which unfortunately lapsed. But Well, know, then this, this makes, a- what she just said makes no sense, what she just said. No, of course not. Uh, so now we have uh, another report from a uh, sh- much shorter report from the uh, CBCs up there in Canada. <laughs> and because, uh, you know, everyone's trying to figure out why. Why did this happen? Well, the answer is, of course, very obvious. The mass killings in Colorado has many here sounding the alarm. Is the increasing presence of guns in B.C. and the decline in mental health services putting us all at risk? <laughs> Decline in mental health services because we're all insane. (laughs) By the way, uh, I just want to say it is. She's on these CBC bullcrap. It is obvious to me that um, the cause of all of this is, of course, the red hair dye that seeped into his brain. Red hair dye is, of course, the cause of all of this. That's uh, that's that's a something being overlooked. But I guarantee you. This will pop up in the next two weeks. Someone will actually investigate this angle for sure. So I'm so again, I'm looking for who benefits. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who is going to benefit from uh, from this. And of course, uh, the news media benefits uh, because they can pull all kinds of stuff out of their butt, like on ABC this morning. I want to go to Brian Ross here. Because Brian, you've been looking at investigating the background of Jim Holmes. Have you found something that might be significant? There is a Jim Holmes of Aurora, Colorado uh, page uh, on the Colorado uh. Tea Party site as well. <laughs> talking about him joining the Tea Party uh, last year. Now, we don't know if this is the same Jim Holmes, but it's uh, Jim Holmes of Aurora, Colorado. Right. So they later had to uh, retract that one. <laughs> Jim Holmes. Yeah. The, the, yeah. 62. Yeah. They had to uh, they had to retract that one. We're so sorry. They say uh, that was incorrect. Yeah. But they didn't do any. Yeah, uh, any. Smirching the tea party. They. Uh, yeah, retracted yeah, yeah. Party. yeah. That was good. Um, so then we have now Pierce Morgan had a. An interesting conversation. He had a professor on from uh, Denver. Is it Denver College? Denver State University? Um, uh, is it professor from Wouldn't be Denver State? No, not Denver State. Some like uh, University of Denver, probably. And this guy actually a um, known school, by the way. So, so this guy is, uh, you know, he's he's basically saying to Pierce Morgan, like, dude, you know. You know, we can talk about the gun debate in a couple of days. Let's find out what really happened first, because we don't know. The guy was actually making some sense and I think put Pierce Morgan in his place. But he made a seminal mistake of being a guest on a television talk show and bringing up the A word. Let me challenge you on what you've just said. A lot of people have said that today. A lot of people who don't want strengthening gun control has said this is not the day to debate it i tell you the day to debate it it would have been yesterday good line by the way from uh, pierce morgan yeah yeah for yeah it is a good line it's a good, good line it's a good line it's a good line the, he, he, he had that was not coming out that was not an ad lib line you can tell the way oh no no, no he was ready for that one it's happening 
When you have a young man like this able to legally get 6,000 rounds of ammunition off the internet to buy four weapons, including an assault rifle, and for all of this to be perfectly legal in modern America, allowing him to carry out the biggest shooting in the history of the United States. No, that, I'm afraid. No, it was not the biggest uh, shooting in the history. This is also this is a, a meme I've been hearing. It's just not true. Speed means it's too late for this debate for those people that lost their lives. So don't patronize me about when we should be talking about the gun control debate. You tell me a good reason why we should not strengthen the law now to stop another young man like him going into a store tomorrow, buying four more weapons, 6,000 rounds of ammunition on the internet, and killing and shooting another 70 people in America. So, so he well, did he shoot off 6,000 rounds? I don't think so. Listen to the guy's response. Because we don't even know the, fa the full facts of this situation yet, and that's another reason it would have been prudent for you to wait a few days where we know more about this. Nobody's been able to come up with any proposal specific about the facts of this case, partly because the facts are still being developed. And I know, Andrew, you, you've said many times on the air, America's got too many guns. You want to drastically reduce the number of guns. So if your whole point is there's too many guns, we've got to get rid of lots of them, drastically construct things and you think somehow that's going to make it better well there's no real evidence that it will if you want to talk about specific reforms that might involve this specific guy and prevent future people like him that's fine but let's wait till we find out the information instead of rushing this country into this pro-con thing that i know sells a lot of commercials on tv Oops. but it's inappropriately divisive now Oops. nobody's stopping you from having the segment on wednesday can you give people a little bit of breathing room? okay you've made your in, point in on that let's move to let's move to dan gross he brought up the advertising word bad move yep, he did that's a that's the way to get cut off because obviously uh, CNN. Uh, that's a good one. Good yeah. catch. That's a great catch. Yeah, CNN yeah, dropped the advertising word. Yeah, CNN. Uh, oh, come on, ah, come on, you stupid trackpad. CNN obviously uh, benefits from from all of this. A uh, couple of data points just for our analysis uh, on the seventeenth of May, two thousand twelve. So what is that like? Uh, uh, two months ago. Uh, report from the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, they say here an early April 2012 suicide bombing of a theater in Somalia and a violent extremist communication advocating attacks on U.S. theaters highlight terrorists' continued interest in attacking such venues. So interesting how only two months ago the Department of Homeland Security predicted that this could happen. Uh, and we sh you should note that it was a terrorist, or not a terrorist, but a, a, a similar attack in a theater in Australia that resulted in extreme gun control laws being passed there. Yes. So um, then there was this little, you know, because there's this, this whole thing about, well, actually, here's the ABC report. Uh, that the guy did not act alone, which seems to be cropping up more this morning. Details on a breaking story out of Aurora, Colorado this morning. A very scary... This is an initial report, by the way. ...situation of suburban Denver movie theater. Apparently there has been a mass shooting. What we're hearing from the police so far, there are a number of casualties in this matter yes, already. Yes, the Aurora police have confirmed with ABC News 20 injuries... 10 confirmed dead that we know of right now. One suspect has been taken into custody, believes that there's one more suspect that is on the loose. Again, this was at the premiere of The Dark Knight okay, Returns, so, the new Batman movie. So they're talking about another suspect. There's tons of, uh, of reports, eyewitness reports, about uh, there being two people who worked in tandem. And then on uh, Sean Hannity, 
the woman being, uh, there's two people being interviewed who, of course, were eyewitnesses, and she makes a very interesting gaffe. To help under very difficult circumstances, uh, where, were you, where were you sitting, Brittany? We were in the top right, about five rows from the top. We were on the right hand of the staircase where there's only like two seats. Yeah. And, and so we had like a direct view of where the camera guy, or where the, excuse me, where the shooter was standing. Oh, and Kevin, really? one of the original. The camera guy. I mean, the, the shooter. camera guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I got mm. some gaps too, but, but when you're on, since you're on this track, play my clip. This is a speculative clip that was played after the incident on Fox, but it was some New York expert, some New York cop. And it, the clip is down in the middle called Shooter, part of a sect. I think uh, based on the uh, fact pattern, uh, I think you can prosecute the case, you know, as far as making an argument whether, uh, you know, he's sane or not, that's a whole other issue. Uh, I, I think pretty much he's, he's guilty as charged. Uh, but what I was uh, trying to point out in the, uh, in, the, in the apartment was there's other evidence that could be inside those hard drives, inside a capture tool like an iPod or an iPhone that might lead us to other uh, members I don't know. Maybe he has a sect. Maybe there is, he has accomplices. Maybe there's a plan to carry out further uh, uh, terrorist, uh, domestic terrorism. We don't know. So, you know, if we do a quick blast in there, even with a quick put out, we could lose that uh, yeah. evidence. They might have to do it. Uh, I don't know. That's not a decision for me to make. I know Dan Oates. He was a chief here in the NYPD. He's a very accomplished guy. Uh, he's more than up to the task. Huh. But Okay. Domestic, he dropped a domestic terrorist bomb. Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, the sect, yeah. it could be others. It's going to happen. We got to do something about it. You know, anything is possible. Uh, and by the way, I thought it was an interesting little wordage that he's called these, uh, like a, an iPhone and a... And capture a device. Capture tool. Capture tool, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, because, it, yeah, I guess it... Police lingo. Yeah. <laughs> so the only real benefit and you know first of all so you know there's all these interesting little uh, tidbits we're learning if true or not we don't know yet about this guy being a, a neuroscience uh, uh, doctorate genius student. yeah he's a genius uh, so that of course uh, will you know sparks the mk ultra um, you know how does a uh, a dropout out of work college student uh, get you know about twenty thousand dollars to purchase um, this arsenal, this armory, this entire six thousand rounds, don't cash six thousand. I got rounds. a couple thousand here. I mean, it's not, it's not like it, you know; it adds up pretty quick. I have a couple thousand rounds of BBs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the only thing that that could make sense is that this could be a State Department operation, and of course, you know my love for Lucifer Clippity Clop Hillary Clinton. As only two weeks ago, the United Nations uh, started, you know, we have a number of treaties that are, are back on the books, one being the Law of the Sea Treaty, which is, uh, uh, you know, is, they keep trying to push that through the Senate. But the United Nations uh, Small Arms Transfer Treaty uh, was discussed just two weeks ago at the United Nations in New York. This one's been around for a long time, and if you read the document, it essentially calls for two things, a global registry of private ownership of firearms uh, and ultimately the abolishment of citizens owning firearms. And that the only uh, uh, entity that should uh, own any type of weaponry would, of course, be the global police force of the United Nations. 
So uh, now this has been, uh, wow, this treaty has been ongoing since, I have the documents here, it's from the UNODA, the United Nations Office for Disarmament Affairs, <laughs> Disarmament of the Population. And uh, let me just say, this started in 1982 is when this office was uh, established. And they've been trying to, to push this small arms treaty through for many, many years. And, and just looking at all the other treaties, you know, the Rights of the Children Treaty, where, you know, you can't get a divorce without permission from your children, all this crazy stuff. You can't move without permission from your children. Uh, the Law of the Sea Treaty, which... Uh, the way I see it, uh, absolutely gives up sovereignty. Um, and now we have this, and just the coincidence of this starting up uh, only two weeks ago in New York and having Hillary Clinton saying, and I quote, conventional arms transfers are a crucial national security concern for the United States. We've always supported effective action to control the international transfer of arms, which is code for citizens buying guns. Uh, she boasted, quote, the United States regularly engages other states to raise their standards and to prohibit the transfer or transshipment of capabilities to rogue states, terrorist groups, and groups seeking to unsettle regions, which could, of course, be just the region of Colorado, if you uh, if you look at it that way. So they clearly benefit. Um, but, of course, the, uh, uh, the benefit to... Um, people who want to move forward any type of agenda, it's just perfect for them. And it's a slow, it's a slow news month. Uh, the CNN can use the ratings. The advertisers love, by the way, CNN could really use the ratings. The advertisers love it. Um, and I think that Bill Moyer, now the Bill Moyer journal is on PBS, I believe. Is it not? Yep. He had a, an, a like a statement, like one of these op-ed statements, a little bit on the long side, but I'd like to play this and you and I just deconstruct this because he, I mean, if, if you could take a bucket and throw everything in there, <laughs> like anti-gun, racism, terrorism, and by the way, have no facts, Bill Moyer did it. And it was, I, I just sat there with my mouth uh, agape going, oh, my God, I can't believe all the things he is saying in relation uh, to this shooting. Wayne LaPierre, executive vice president of and spokesman for the mighty American gun lobby, the National Rifle Association, has an almost cosmic sense of timing. In 2007, at the NRA's annual convention in St. Louis, he warned the crowd that today there is not one firearm owner whose freedom is secure. Two days later... A young man opened fire on the campus of Virginia Tech, killing 32 students, staff, and teachers. Now, listen to this. Just last week, LaPierre showed up at the United Nations Conference on the Arms Trade Treaty here in New York and spoke out against what he called anti-freedom policies that disregard American citizens' right to self-defense. Now, at least 12 are dead in Aurora, Colorado, gunned down by a madman at a showing of the new Batman. A madman, I just want you to know. He's a madman. A movie filled with make-believe violence. Make-believe violence. One of the guns the shooter used was an AK-47 type assault weapon. Oh, hello, hello. AK-47 type assault weapon? Uh, I'm sorry. That's, that is uh, not true. It's not an AK-47. An AK-47 is a machine gun. 
This is not a. Eh, eh, this is another one of those memes. It's bothersome. Yeah, it's sold as an AK-47. This gun. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. You can go to the store and get an AK-47, but it's not. It's just designed not to be. It's, it's manufactured to be semi-automatic. It was banned in 1994. The National Rifle Association saw to it that the ban expired in 2004. No, Congress. Uh, saw to it that the ban expired. Who did he say? The National Rifle Association. They, they run in the country? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, apparently. The NRA is the best friend the killer's instinct ever had. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's good, isn't it? There's more. There's more. Oh, this guy is good. There's more. There's more. LaPierre's timing isn't cosmic, just coincidental. As Shakespeare famously wrote, the fault is not in our stars, but in ourselves. In other words, people. People with guns. <laughs> so how did Shakespeare write about people with guns all of a sudden? <laughs> wow. This is good, right? Oh, yeah. yeah this is really right. This guy is a... Uh, I've, I kind of admire the fact that he gets all these hot shots to talk to him, but he is one of the most amazing propagandists. He gave a speech to, which I've always been wanting to clip and just condemn, a speech to uh, independent journalist group, some sort of a, a kind of this one of these little offshoot journalists with a lot of left wing journalist organization. And it was and it was like it was just bull crap. I mean, he was just saying things that were just as though he's very lopsided in his approach. to things. Well, Let's put it that well, way. Here come, Not like us. We're no, no here. Com- but here comes more. <laughs> there are an estimated 300 million guns in the United States. One in four adult Americans owns at least one. And most of them are men. Oh, uh, sorry. 52% of all new gun purchases are purchased by women. So that is a blatant lie. I happen to know these statistics because one of our knights has shared them with me who runs uh, um, uh, a couple gun stores. So that's just a lie. The British newspaper, The Guardian, reminds us that over the last 30 years, the number of states with a law that automatically approves licenses to carry concealed weapons provided an applicant clears a criminal background check has risen from 8 to 38. I'm not quite sure what that means exactly, what he's saying there. The, the, they automatically uh, approve a concealed carry permit if you pass a background check. I don't think that is true. No, no, no I think it is. I think that you, you... In Washington State, you can do that. I can go get a concealed per, carry permit in Washington State rather effortlessly, just the way you described, and then I can take that permit to California and show it to somebody, and they'd give me one here. It's not that hard. Well, in Texas, we have to follow a course. I thought you can just carry in Texas. No, 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 no. You have to follow a 10-hour um, course. Oh, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea because the course teaches you how to... Uh, gun safety. Yeah, gun safety. Yeah, And so I don't think that's entirely accurate, but I could be wrong. Every year, there are 30,000 gun deaths and 300,000 gun-related assaults. And how many car deaths are there? I think the there's U- something in the l- line of 50,000 or more. Car deaths? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yes. Firearm violence may cost our country should, as much as... What? We should ban cars. Yeah. <laughs> $100 billion a year. Toys are regulated with greater care and safety concerns than guns. <laughs> okay, so now let's get into Let's bring in a couple more things here. So why do we always act so surprised? Oh. Violence is our alter ego, wired into our Stone Age brains. So <laughs> in- <laughs> I love This guy is awesome. Intrinsic 
it's toxic eruptions, no longer shock, except... So I guess uh, if we don't have guns, then uh, that uh, Stone Age hardwired killing mechanism hey, will go hey, away. Hold on a second. He said, can you back it up just yeah, about of course. 10 seconds? Yeah, of course. Hold on a second. And safety concerns, then guns. So why do we always act so surprised? Violence is our alter ego wired into our Stone Age brains, so intrinsic its toxic eruptions no longer shock except momentarily when we hear of a mass shooting like this latest in Colorado. But this too will pass. All right, I, was, I thought he was saying something differently, but okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, well, but what he's saying makes no sense. You, I, no, the whole thing is gobbledygook. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's well presented. I mean, come yeah. on. If, no. Especially if you're amenable to that pitch. Yeah, we'll wait until you hear the rest like of his most pitch. Of the public. He's got more pitches. He's got more. In the nation of the short attention span, we'll quickly find the next thing to divert us from the hard realities. Well, duh. Yeah, of course. Of America in 2012. We are, after all, a country which began with the forced subjugation into slavery of millions of Africans. Well, let's bring the slaves in. Okay, let's bring some racism in. Now, this is great. And the reliance on arms against Native Americans for its westward expansion. In truth, more settlers traveling the Oregon Trail died from accidental, self-inflicted gunshot wounds than from Indian attacks. This is news to me. So the settlers on the Oregon Trail... Uh, where, does, where does this statistic come from? I don't know, but I, it, it turns out that... It's not a statistic anyone would have ever made. They were all shooting themselves accidentally. Accidentally. More than Indians killed killed the settlers. That is a, this is a great piece of, course, of history. Of course, the Oregon Trail was not a trail beset by a lot of wild Indians trying to kill people. So there's uh, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that, there's that thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how you make up a great statistic. Yeah, because it just sounds like, oh, wow, the Oregon Sales Trail. Sales doubled. It went from one to two. <laughs> we were not only bloodthirsty, we were also inept. <laughs> we're idiots. We bloodthirsty idiots. Bloodthirsty, oh, uh, shot myself in the head, oops. Nonetheless, we've become so gun-loving, so blasé about homegrown violence, that in my lifetime alone, far more Americans have been casualties of domestic gunfire than have died in all our wars combined uh-huh. in Arizona last year just days I guess he forgot to count the Iraqis somehow I'm <laughs> sure he also forgot to count the civil war yeah. after the Gabby Gifford shooting sales of the weapon used in the slaughter a 9 millimeter Glock semi-automatic pistol double yep there it is we're fooling the Glock ourselves. is 9 millimeters the most popular gun in the world and they sales doubled in Arizona yeah, sure. Yeah. That the law could allow even an inflamed lunatic to easily acquire murderous weapons and not expect murderous consequences? <laughs> Fooling ourselves that the Second Amendment's guarantee of a well-regulated militia be construed as a God-given right to purchase and own just about any weapon of destruction. That's very interesting here. So he uh, omits a piece of the Second Amendment. And he only says the well-regulated militia, but he, he leaves out the part about the right to keep and bear arms, which is kind of unfair of him to do. You like? That's a license for murder. Murder. And mayhem. Mayhem. And it's a great fraud, fraud. that has entered our history. Yeah. There's a video of which I'd like to remind you. You can see it on YouTube. In it, Adam Gadon, an American-born member of Al-Qaeda, the... 
Time to bring in the terrorists. First U.S. citizen charged with treason since 1952 urges terrorists to carry out attacks on the United States. He says, America is absolutely awash with easily obtainable firearms. You can go down to a gun show at the local convention center and come away with a fully automatic assault rifle without a background check and most likely without having to show an identification card. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> so, well, I don't know. What are we waiting for? So Maybe he, I don't want to spend that kind of money. These things aren't cheap. So he goes from uh, a, a madman buying uh, uh, 6,000 rounds on the Internet to... Uh, well, you know, guns are bad because we shoot ourselves. We're so stupid uh, when we're on the Oregon Trail. And, uh, you know, terrorists uh, can buy guns. Uh, what are we waiting for? The killer in Colorado waited only for an opportunity. Nice alliteration, by the way. The killer in Colorado. And there you have it. The arsenal of democracy transformed into the arsenal of death. And the inner. <laughs> oh, right. hey, that's enough. Let's kill this guy. Not, <laughs> not yeah, yeah, just the, now. Yeah. Now, a couple of things. Uh, one, he's preaching to the choir. This guy. Nobody yeah. watches him. Yeah. Except now, everyone that no agendas heard him. Uh, so I don't think it's a big deal. I think the the more onerous kinds of guys. I have two clips that were done uh, on CBS, and <clears throat> I've never seen anything quite like this. I've never heard of this guy before. He's extremely well rehearsed. The guy's name is Weldner. And he, I've got two clips from. This was done on the forty-eight hour show that was thrown together for the weekend, and I've never seen an interview with a guy. He's talking off camera to somebody, and it's a two-camera shoot. I have never seen an interview like this with a two-camera shoot, and it's. And I know the difference between a two-camera shoot and a guy who shoots B-roll. This is a two-camera shoot on this guy, so this is not a cheap thing, and he is extremely well lit. And and his and his patter is unbelievably rehearsed. So we can start with the beginning. Wellner two camera shoot part one. The motive experts say is always the same. How can I kill a lot of people? How can I do it in a shocking way where people will talk about me, my notoriety, my desire to be somebody can only be achieved by spectacular destruction. Okay, so he starts off with this, and they bring him back with the most amazing. This guy's supposed to be a psychologist or something. He comes back with the most amazing taunting of everybody out there who's ever thinking of doing this sort of thing, condemning this kid. And, of course, we don't even know any of the real story because it's all, you know, the guy's in solitary confinement. They set up shop in some high school, which is very sketchy but now listen to this guy going off the deep end in school no not the time it was just totally standardly normal if anything a little bit forgettable forgettable to pretty much everyone was he a ladies man in school <laughs> no not particularly i didn't i never saw him with any girls he didn't really talk about any girls um i don't know if any girls really talked about him that much and dr wellner says that fits the pattern of most mass shooters sexual relationships they're incompetent their dating history their sexual history it's a source of embarrassment to them what replaces it for them is destructiveness <laughs> their reason for living becomes their plan to kill it's someone who is a loser who is a reject who is resentful who suddenly found purpose and so they become <laughs> absorbed in it they become passionate about it so it becomes Something that the mass shooter can mobilize around, and they do it with great vigor 
because they identify masculinity and themselves with destruction. Wow. So the guy was, you know, I'm he's a I'm, loser. He's a retard. I'm, I'm missing the, the where he was bullied. I'm missing that. You know, part. they they couldn't get it in the script. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's gonna. I don't know what happened. They, they got to find it. They got to find the bullying meme to bring in here. Uh, this is now. I will say that there is absolutely the typical American male. I, I can't speak on behalf of males worldwide, but there is this thing about you know tattoos, pumping up at the gym, get a big muscle car, get a Harley, drive around with that without a helmet. These are all um, surrogates for being a real man uh, but when it comes down to it you know who? i'm not buying that either i these these aren't surrogates mm. or anything these are peer group milieus and people are are part of many of them and that can be uh, in the gay community and they're, they're well i'm talking about the gay community what are you talking about just because you're gay doesn't mean that you're not a, a macho man well, no, I say there are parts of the gay community that are. They're all pumped up. They're bigger than most people you can imagine. And then there's others that are not. I mean, these are all milieus. This isn't any sort of deep-seated American thing that, like you like to describe it, so you isolate it as an American methodology for some sort of uh, sublimation of, 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 of I, I, weakness or uh, lack hey, listen, of masculinity. Listen, can I just say I one thing? It's bullcrap what you just said. You don't get out of the house. You just said it yourself. I get out of the house. I, I'm walking around. I see it. Well, you're also in Texas, by the way. Hey, but I've lived. I've lived Texas. in different places. All right, we can agree, we can agree to disagree on that. All right. All right. Okay. A couple of things. Uh, let's do our thank a couple of executive producers, and then we'll get into some of our theories of what this is. Is I have a. A theory that I think is a little crackpotty, yeah. which and then we like. and then we got to move off because there's a lot of other stuff that this has been covering up. Obviously, yeah, there's been a few. Uh, but let's thank a couple of executive producers. We actually have two executive producers mm. and one associate. Curiously, <laughs> the two executive producers both both gave us a thousand dollars each. Wow! Wow! Eponymous in Beshmere, Queensland. Oh, Australia. Um, you guys really cheesed me off. I always knew I was being lied to. I didn't know how openly it was being done, like to my face, as if I'm an idiot. <laughs> Thanks a bunch for pointing this out. I question your parentage, the both of you. You deserve everything you get, so this is to make up for being a boner for the last six months, plus pay non-pals 1% Australia tax. Huh. I think the administration heard Australia was your second biggest donor and leaned on them, Chicago style. Please send Carmen to my new job and some screw cancer karma for my dad, Eponymous, the beached knight. Hey, wait a minute. So Australia has an extra 1% surcharge on PayPal donations? <laughs> Apparently. Really? What a bunch of douchebags. Yeah, no kidding. You've got karma. Wow. Thank you, Eponymous. That's very nice. And I'll, and I'll explain why in a moment because this, uh, this comes at the right moment. And then our uh, friend, Dame Astrid Klein in oh, Tokyo. Tokyo. Comes in, uh, the beautiful Dame Astrid for the $1,000. Happy oh. wedding, happy ever after to you and Mickey. Please spend the donation on something you both love, i.e. John <laughs> and not Range Rover repair. Uh, yeah, there, then there's that, unfortunately, Dame Astrid. I mean, what else do you think we use the money for? Range you Rover such, repair. <laughs> you are such solid rocks in our life. So, yeah, ever-changing slash exactly the same. Love your baby. Waiting for your Hot Pockets tour to get Mo Nation sushi. 
Dame Astrid and Sir Gin Tonic Fueled Park. <laughs> Our Range Rover is doing just fine in the sweltering Tokyo heat, but I guess it's getting some true British love from its driver. Well, I'd like to point out our Range Rover is from 1999. It's older than some people who listen to the show. So, <laughs> this, Dame Astrid, that's very, very kind of you. Thank you so much. And, uh, and love and kisses to you for me and Ms. Mickey. That's, that's lovely. And finally, our associate executive producer, Sir Gene uh, Naftulia of in Frisco, Texas, uh, $202. I'd like to give uh, Mimi a big thank you and a shot of karma because he got his ring. Oh, right. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying her foodie suggestions in Victoria next week. Oh, okay. Does she uh, send those out with the rings these days? I think he asked. Karma. He's on his way to Victoria, Canada, which is one of the prettiest places in the world. <clears throat> I recommend it to anyone who's touring in that Pacific Northwest. Uh, anyway, I want to thank them and uh, all the other donors we'll talk about later. Remind you to go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channel Dvorak.com slash NA, and the NoAgendaShow.com, NoAgendaNation.com. Click the Donate button and keep us uh, doing this. And we have uh, two PR mentions uh, that I need to uh, bring to you. There's a band out there. I actually played one of their songs uh, this morning on the, on the pre-stream. Name is uh, Free Fall Effect. And uh, they've put out an EP. It's called the No Agenda EP. Uh, so EP is extended play, which means there's uh, you know, five tracks on it. It's not quite an album. It's, uh, uh, it's just a couple of tracks. And they give us full credit here. Free Fall's message is simple and clear. Things are not as they seem, and truth is not being disseminated, disseminated to the masses. Uh, they hope these tunes will shed some light on this simple truth and cause listeners to stop and think. They are donating all proceeds to the No Agenda Show, a podcast hosted by former MTV VJ Adam Curry and tech columnist and former tech TV host John C. Dvorak. Uh, the band feels this podcast does the finest job of deconstructing the issues of today and the media's negative influence therein. So you can go to freefalleffect.com and uh, here's just a little uh, taste of uh, what they do. I'll play uh, 15 seconds here just to get the idea. Oh, yeah! the status quo. The lyrics are great, by the way, on all these songs. I listen to it. So um, go ahead and uh, pick up your copy of the Free Fall Effect uh, EP. And then a note from our producer who uh, makes the No Agenda Radio app in the uh, iTunes app store. He uh, sent me a note. Lots of improvements. So you might want to upgrade. Uh, let's see. The improvements are beautiful artwork on radio streaming screen. Yeah, uh, includes calendar feature to see the stream schedule. Recent show screen to listen to the 100 most recent No Agenda shows. Recent show player features 30-second skip, 10-second rewind. iCloud integration to save your position in a recorded episode. That's a great one, by the way. You know, so you're, you're listening, and then you, you, know, you get interrupted or whatever, and then you want to go back, and then it picks up where you stop listening. Push notification to let you know when a new recording episode is ready. New juice for you. No Agenda News Network integration. No Agenda Chat integration. Uh, so you can chat with No Agenda listeners and fans without leaving the app. So uh, uh, link in the show notes at 428.nashownotes.com. And indeed, uh, we'd love for you to donate as uh, an executive producer or an associate executive producer. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. And unlike the phonies in Hollywood, we will actually vouch for your official credit as given. You can always go out and propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth.
got a drunken Japanese shut up slave in uh, on the emails today, John. Here it is. <laughs> okay. Apparently that shut up slave uh, in Japanese. Mm. If you're drunk. It's funnier if it's kids, though. We want it to be kids. Something kids or something funny about the kids. Yeah, there's always something funny about the kids. Uh, I, I, I made a decision. Uh, people who listen to this program know that we don't have... Uh, we don't have, we don't do meetings. In fact, we never speak with each other uh, except during the program itself, because uh, you know we're scheduled to kick off the uh, Hot Pockets Hot Pockets 2009 tour on Saturday, and uh, it's becoming very difficult uh, to leave on the Hot Pockets tour without a trailer, <laughs> uh, which has just not materialized. Very disappointing, but I guess uh, I guess that's it. So uh, Ms. Mickey and I made an executive decision on behalf of the board and management uh, of uh, the No Agenda Show, the greatest podcast in the universe, and we uh, went down the road on uh, Route 620, and uh, we rented a uh, a trailer for uh, the three-week tour. That's a shame. It is a shame. Um, now, of course, uh, to keep costs low, uh, we did we did get a good deal. And Miss Mickey, like, she got someone at the gym and some guy and whatever, and so we got all kinds of deals, and then we pay in cash, and we get more, we get even more <laughs> discount. Um, it is so ninety five dollars a day is, uh, and that's the cheapest we could get. It is a micro light trailer, twenty foot trailer, uh, one sleeping berth with a queen size bed. Um, you know, it has a, a toilet, a little kitchen. So it's basically, it is a hot pocket, uh, essentially. It's just one, one, it's a box, a box on wheels. Uh, but the, uh, the pickup truck can, uh, can pull it pretty effortless, effortlessly. Uh, it doesn't even need the, uh, the brake controller hookup because it's so light. Uh, so you can uh, calculate what three weeks is going to cost us. Uh, and I think we're probably going to give out, uh, five, uh, miles, to the gallon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to be similar to the RV. That's just, you know, drag and, and weight. Yeah, but you can, the good thing about that, you can go to a trailer park, drop the trailer off, and then drive the truck around. Which is exactly why we're not doing the RV on this year's tour. Right. And uh, so I need to announce our kickoff party, which will start, uh, this is the Austin kickoff party in the morning. Uh, that'll be Saturday, July 28th. In the morning? Yes, in the morning, 10 a.m., um, and uh, there's links in the show notes. Uh, it's going to be at the Cherrywood Coffee House. And uh, you want to RSVP to Mike Molaro, uh, our uh, local pro- He produced the previous meetup in Austin as well. So uh, we're going to kind of have like a, a, a late breakfast and a send off. And then we will drive to Dallas where, because you know, we're going to go up north, where uh, Dave Koss, uh, producer of the show, uh, we'll be hosting the No Agenda Dallas Slaves Meetup, and uh, all of the links in the in the show notes. And you know, of course, it's Ms. Mickey, so everything's on the uh, the Facebook page, uh, itm.im slash tour09. And uh, we look forward to uh, having a good crowd in Dallas and uh, a great crowd in Austin. And from there, uh, we have no other uh, places to stay or any meetups uh, arranged. Uh, but we will be going through Kansas and then uh, making our way over to Colorado. So that'll be the Hot Pockets uh, 2009 tour. We're looking forward to seeing everybody out there on the road. I think it's going to be a little less than uh, than last year just because of the the population is less dense in the states that we're going to. Uh, but we're pretty sure that uh, you know that there'll be uh, people who uh, who want to hook up and meet up, and at least we hope so. Uh, otherwise, we'll be staying in national parks. Screw y'all. 
It's not that many national. Well, actually, you can go to Colorado. Good, what? Colorado's got a couple. Wyoming's got some. But you want to go to the Grand Tetons. The Grand Tetons? Yeah. Oh. Where's that? It's up in, uh, I think it's up in toward Wyoming. Maybe it's in the corner of Wyoming or Idaho, something like that. The Grand, Grand Teton National Park. And the town there, I can't remember the name. The chat room probably knows. It's just dynamite. It's, a, it's a, just a great, great little place. And on the way back, uh, so we want to go up to, we want to hit. You must go to Yellowstone while you're up. You going to do that? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in charge of this. All I do is I make sure oh, the Mickey, studio Mickey works. should know to go to Yellowstone. Mickey's in charge. And uh, on the way down, we're going to do a, a, hopefully a big meetup in um, uh, Boise. Which should be fun because Boise is kind of like a like our town, I think. I Boise, Boise, yeah, Boise, Boise. Boise. It's your town. It's a, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like like. I don't free. think we have one donor from Boise. <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, we yes, we do. You know who lives there is Chris Bashirs. He's going to set up the Boise meetup. Remember Chris? Yeah. yeah when's he giving us anything? You're such a douche. <laughs> Taurus, sorry. He does all kinds of stuff for us. He doesn't even listen to the show. No, who cares? <laughs> he loves us. He, no, he listens to the show. He does. Uh, so that is your update on the... Hot Pockets. There you go. Good. Well, it sounds like it's going to be fun for you. You get to see some crazy, crazy stuff. Well, it's a, it's an old radio trick, you know. Uh, when uh, when times are slow during the summer, you take the show on the road. It's a, we yeah. do things by remote. And uh, I've actually ordered uh, a couple of uh, bits and bobs for gear since you know we don't have to. Tr- I don't. Uh, we don't have to travel, so I'd like not to do it just all in the laptop setup. So I got a little uh, mini mixer and a couple other things, so we can hopefully have a decent sound. Uh, but of course, uh, invariably it will suck somewhere. <laughs> one of our shows will, one or more of our shows will suck due to bandwidth limitations, but you know, we'll, we'll take that as it comes. And it's always good because you know, you go to these different towns and you learn things, you learn things you never heard about before. And people have all kinds of interesting information and, uh, it's, it's very exciting. And it is the best honeymoon uh, we can, uh, we could think of is to share that with you. Not you, John, but with the listeners. Okay, uh, so can we let's wrap this up? I have about five clips I want to play, and wow. I have my own thesis on this. Okay. Uh, first of all, I think this is a dress rehearsal for something else. I'll buy that right off the bat. And the reason is because, and I don't think anybody, I don't know who's behind it, and I don't think any of the players, and in other words, the law enforcement people or anybody like that are in on it necessarily. They're just playing their roles. And the more interesting guy that's doing this is James Yacone, special agent in charge just moved one of the most important counterterrorism guys in washington dc was moved to denver about a year ago and he had since made some commentary uh in fact just a week ago he was on a video that the fbi released which i have a copy of it was in that second email that we can listen to it was actually disappeared from the site but it was attached to one of the press releases and i found it uh, and this is, do you have that second? Yeah, the special, special video, is that the name yeah, of that? that this yeah. is Yacon uh, in Denver, who is, uh, let me read from his Denver division of the FBI's website, named special agent in charge of the FBI's Denver division by Mueller. Yacon was most recently served as a section chief in the critical incident response group, which involved direct management and oversight of the FBI's national tactical program, crisis negotiation, and a variety of mobility and crisis response assets. Hmm. So the, coincidentally, 
you know, being brought back from the East Coast. They drop him in Denver where this all happens. And he shows up on every other newscast as a spokesperson uh, kind of running things. Coincidence? I think not. Our Joint Terrorism Task Forces are very active, not just from an international terrorism perspective, but also a domestic terrorism perspective. So we actually have three Joint Terrorism Task Force squads uh, focused on international terrorism and then you know one specific squad here focused on domestic terrorism and it works well i mean all of the uh, local and state police officers and detectives have the same clearances that the agents do they sit side by side and um, the way we work it is if that agency has a terrorism matter occur in their uh, area of responsibility that local or state agency that local or state officer will work jointly with an FBI agent um, as a case agent on that case. So he specifically said that the domestic terrorism yes. office is his in Denver. And this does, of course, tie into, um, you know, the Department of Homeland Security, where they buy like 400 million rounds of hollow point bullets. I mean, they are definitely ready for uh, unrest. So there's a uh, so so I think that they're looking at they're going to deconstruct what happened and they're going to find the mistakes and I and these are the botches that we've spotted and I think that these things are going to all be cleared up so if there ever is an incident that is staged in a big way it will not have all these gaffes like this the, this particular thing had lots of gaffes like why did the guy walk back to his car why didn't he run back to his car and take off why were the cops waiting for him immediately the police yeah. response yeah. at 12 30 in the morning is not necessarily 60, that good like 90 seconds right they were yeah they he was were there right there. there and then they're grabbing the guy and he's not given any resistance and then they set up a high school which i actually have a clip of it's a i think it's this long pbs news hour there's a very long clip i actually don't want to play it i'll just explain it they took one of the high schools and turned it into a command center right the next day where they're having all this this activity and i'm thinking what you just arrested the guy why do you have this command center so i started looking for these for these kinds of egregious mistakes that are made particularly by the actors that are that were in involved with their with the this guy you know the people that were crying and some of these other people that seemed seemed to many of them seemed fake and the way they said things seemed like acting more than I heard I heard one guy say that uh, he was crawling on the ground but his um he he had burn marks on his legs which we haven't seen from the shells uh sh- from the from the shooter. Yeah, like, I've heard that, that somebody else was So was he standing right over him or you know cuz shells don't propel forward they, no, they, they all eject go from out one to the side. Yeah. piled over to the side. Yeah. So, it just, so let me play a couple of these that, that just got my attention. Uh, let's start with the one guy, and I also think there, you know, this could have been an assassination for all we know of one of the many, including a couple. One guy that's completely out of place was an older guy, but I couldn't find any background on anyone that would indicate that they had any connection to anything that would be, want them to get assassinated. But one guy who kept cropping up in the news was Alex Sullivan, yeah, who who also had the father. They pre prepped this guy his father was screaming and holding his picture and he was like very uh, animated and then Sullivan was killed and Sullivan was also mentioned by one of the the woman that was in the army in the hospital she had gone out with five friends including him 
to the movie, even though Solomon supposedly married. I didn't notice his wife was involved in this at all. She didn't go. I don't know what he's hanging out with these other girls for. But pl- play the Alex is dead. And I want to mention something where, you know, we've always spotted when we see these things, you always end up with uh, it looks like planted evidence after the fact. Things that show up that don't make any sense, like all of a sudden a Facebook page will show up right, or something right. crazy. Well, play this, and I have a little angle on that. On his 27th birthday, Alex Sullivan had much to celebrate. His coming one-year wedding anniversary. And from the Batman premiere, he tweeted, Oh, man, one hour till the movie, and it's going to be the best birthday ever. (laughs) Then came the chaos. His desperate father, Tom, captured in this picture, hunted for word. Call me! Find my son! Call me! Late last night, the worst news possible, Alex was dead. Okay, so uh, I thought this was interesting, and I checked out that they showed a Facebook tweet, or I'm sorry, a Twitter tweet on the screen, but they didn't have the at you know, it was just the guy's name, which is bullcrap. That's not where they, where they normally play him. Usually on TV, they show the guy's name and then his, his like, at on his real name. His name yeah. is Sully. Oh, yeah. His, uh, you mean his, his Twitter. His uh, Twitter name. Yeah. So it was, so you could find it. It was Sully 300, I believe. I don't have it in front of me right now. But anyway, he had essentially not tweeted ever huh. until, until like, the last month or so. All his tweets, and there was, there's hundreds of them, hundreds of tweets with him and a couple of other people, uh, 100 Hundreds of tweets. They're all Foursquare re- retweets. They're, he's on Foursquare apparently checking in everywhere. Mm. And when he goes to work, he checks in. When he goes to a restaurant, he checks in. He's checking in for months and months on end. All of a sudden, he actually starts writing tweets. Many of them are to somebody. But when you could, but I don't know if they know this or not. If somebody's planning these or planted these, when you click on this, this is an update that took place maybe six months ago. When you click on the box that the tweet comes in, it shows you where. What references it? Mm-hmm. What references? Yes, to. it's how so Twitter I works. Yes. You, <clears throat> I know how right, Twitter it works. You, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just explaining to people that don't. But anyway, so you should be able to. So he's if he's saying something to someone, I should be able to click on that and see what that someone said to him. In no instance does this ever happen. These are just blind tweets, and they finally show up. And curiously, the one before he says this is going to be my greatest birthday ever, he says he's not going to the movie. <laughs> okay. You, so so you, this whole thing looked like it was this, this Twitter thing and this thing they brought up. This this whole, it just seems sketchy, and and a lot of this seems sketchy when you start watch listening and playing some of these these uh, some of these clips that you run into, and, and like the mom turning on the son, I thought was weird. Yeah, where she says, uh, "Yeah, you the got play the right- play mom turns on son." It's yeah. quick. You got the right guy. Yeah, exactly. To ask your patience, indulgence, and respect at this time. When his mother, Arlene, was told of his arrest, she reportedly said, you have the right person. Here's what else we've learned about the alleged shooting. Yeah. Well, see, that, but my problem is, this whole thing is a script. We don't know anything. We don't, it's no, all we, reportedly we nothing, alleged. We don't know anything. But we, let's play some of the script to just reconfirm in the listeners' minds that there's something screwy going on. Play Zach in the wrong theater. Now, here's a guy who was shot in the neck. Him and his buddies and the football team went to see the movie, the midnight showing, but it turns out he was in the wrong theater or something, This, which makes zero sense. Play this clip and you'll see where the discrepancy takes place. At 
Gateway High in Aurora, members of the football team gathered today to support each other. They had gone as a group to the midnight movie that turned into a horror show. 17-year-old Zach Goldditch was shot through the neck. It sounded like a you know, firecracker just went off in the, the back of my head. and you know, I was like, man, like, what has happened? So I kind of fell over my friend's lap. And, He'd gone to the late movie with the reluctant approval of his mother, Christine. And I was worried more about curfew than I was worried about somebody going into a theater and shooting my son. Shooting children, not just my kid, but other people. Script. Zach yeah. wasn't even in the same theater as the gunman. The bullet came through the wall. What? Huh. Okay. Well, that's a little weird. Now, here's the one. And by the way, I've got lots of these, but I'm not going to play them all. I just convince people that we've got them. They're all over the place. Place, this one is the most interesting. This is the off-script neighbor blows it clip. And what happens here, apparently, across the street, and by the way, I don't know how they, there's never been a good explanation to me about how this guy's place was rigged with explosives that many experts say you would have to be an, a demolitions expert to actually have done what he did in his house, which also indicates it's possible that the guy was going to go home and then blow himself up because it was set up to kill him. I mean, we don't know anything about this shooter and, and whether or not he was a, a straw man where he's set up and w whether that house was rigged to kill well, cops are rigged to kill him. Because it sounds as though he didn't have this, the competency to make that, to put those trip wires in and make the thing so it's going to blow like that. So, but that's beside the point. Right across from his living room window was an apartment building where they set up shop, this SWAT team, for some reason, even though the guy's caught, set up shop in this woman's apartment. And she, and it's like, and as they show it, it's about 30 yards from the guy's window. Now, Listen to what happens when she starts discussing this on the air and they fail to clip this part out. Not to push in. Knowing that something that was designed to kill you was right above your heads while you were sleeping, that's, that's a little nerve-wracking and it doesn't allow for very good sleep. SWAT units asked Yesenia Lujan to use her apartment for surveillance since her bedroom window looks right in the home's living room. I was living right next door to you. That's what's scary. That's what's so that's what's really scary because we didn't know who we never even seen him well wait a minute this makes no sense the, it, it, he first he lives above her then he lives next door so no, no no that was a woman they had two clips there one was a woman that was up right beneath him and she was just bitching about the fact there was a bomb yeah, in but, there but the other and one she's his next door she's right across in looking at his living room and she says we don't we didn't know him we didn't even see him she says which i think was the blowed script huh there, she's not supposed to say she never saw it. In other words, she's right across from him, and she has never seen him. Can't they hire better actors who can remember five lines? She had the line down, and then she just jumped the gun yeah. on it. You well, could she hear screwed it, it up. She was going along fine, and then she ups her voice yeah. to make a point as though she's, like, you know, uh, got something to tell us. Let me listen, says, Let me listen to that again. Let me just listen to this one again. Oh, that's the wrong one. Sorry. Uh... Which one was it? Neighbor? This is the off-script off script neighbor. Yeah. Let me listen yeah. to that again. Oh, come on. Oh, the Apple trackpad sucks. Not to push in. Knowing that something that was designed to kill you was right above your heads while you were sleeping, that's, that's a little nerve-wracking, and it doesn't allow for very good sleep. SWAT she units asked Yesenia Lujan to use her apartment for surveillance, since her bedroom window looks right in the home's living room. He was living right next door to you. That's what's scary. That's what's so. 
that's what's really scary because we didn't know who we never even seen him. <laughs> yeah, she got confused with some other script. <laughs> that was like, whoa, her voice went up and everything. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, that which was the honest part. All right, so so what's your conclusion of all of this, John? I mean, I, I think mine is pretty clear. I think this is. Uh, uh, first of all, it is. I'll just say this. Obviously, the whole thing is filled with confusing psychological messaging from start to finish. I mean, right from the movie to what the guy's wearing, uh, the whole thing is just chock full of of you know yeah, of Holly, the Hollywood, Hollywood writing. Red hair or not? Is he in Friend Finder? I mean, the whole the, thing. The whole, the whole yeah. The, the whole thing to me. It would be a perfect setup from the State Department who operate autonomously to help shepherd in the U.N. arms transfer treaty. That's that is the thing that to me makes the most sense. I like that theory and I'm not going to argue against it. We do not have anything other than this, this kind of deconstruction to go by so we don't know i think that this is a prelude to something this is a dry run i don't know who's doing it i don't know that anybody in the law enforcement has anything to do with it i don't know who's doing it or why they're doing it but i think something big and they're going to take a look at they'll probably get a copy of this show and say oh my god we can't have people like this idiot next door neighbor <laughs> saying she never saw the guy in her entire life and he's supposed to be living there come on so they're going to do and a whole then, post-mortem they're going to do an analysis and they're going to like oh, be a huge analysis they're going to have that yeah. Pierce Morgan stuff this is going to take months and months and months they're going to look over all the screw-ups and there's lots of them uh, I mean the guy in the wrong theater the bad acting some of the people the scripted uh, shows that you've seen that that seem scripted and I don't believe anyone could see otherwise when the the questions and right, answers are so right, well prepared right, right. O- overnight mm-hmm. uh it's and they're going to figure out how to make one of these things really, you know, something. This is minor. I mean, we don't even know how many people really are dead and how many. We have no idea about any of it. And uh, so, you, so you're saying drill, set up, getting ready, analysis, uh, project uh, for something uh, much bigger. Big. And in addition to that, I will point out the National Theater Association is reviewing all security procedures. So uh, you will be uh, naked body scanned on the way in, obviously. Which 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 would have made no difference in this situation. The guy bought a ticket, went in, yeah. he didn't have a gun on him, and then he went out the back and grabbed his guns and came in the back exit, yeah. which they you know, yeah. which is big. Yeah. By the way, if there's no liability uh, uh, lawsuit that for wrongful death against the the, the, the theater. theater Century Sixteen, uh, then something's really screwy here. Mm. Because you're not supposed to let people in and out of the place through the back door. Well, you are officially now a crackpot. <laughs> it's Good a crackpot. job. I thought it was uncracked potty, but, uh, you know, I have most of it. Yeah. DHS is now getting involved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, is this, uh, this is a clip you have, right? It's just, in fact, this is just, these guys, I guess, weren't involved in the first place, and so they had to get their name mentioned, and oh, so yeah. this news item came out. No. Oh. And federal authorities are taking this incident very seriously. The Department of Homeland Security is actually supplying movie theaters across the country with a safety checklist to prevent another tragedy from happening. (laughs) So just as a last one, I want to throw this in there, though, because one of the things we always like to do on this show, people that listen a lot know that we always try to relate. Everything has to be related to an, to a mo- an upcoming promotion, movie. Promotion, yes. We, do, we have a, do we have a, a movie uh, promotion yes, tied in? Oh, yes. Yeah. trailer that was pulled. <laughs> 
Now, a preview for a new movie with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood has been pulled because it eerily echoes the shooting mm. rampage. Victoria Ricagno explains. Mm. Victoria Ricagno, our buddy Victoria Ricagno. What is this from? What uh, what fine? Uh, this is, she's on the inside inside ah, edition. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad. Good to hear her. Victoria, hit it. Look at this jaw-dropping coincidence. Oh, she's a puker. You just gotta put him down. It's the trailer for the upcoming movie Gangster Squad, with an all-star cast including Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. And it features this gut-wrenching scene of a gangland massacre in, of all places, a crowded movie theater. The trailer was scheduled to play before showings of The Dark Knight Rises, including the one shattered by a madman in Colorado. I wonder if Victoria talks to her three-year-old that way. She doesn't sound like this at all. No. She's a, hey, kid, I really would you like to have some breast milk because I'm Victoria Ricagno on the scene. Here it is. Suck away. I got to call her about that. That's a problem. <laughs> well, she <laughs> I love really Victoria. gets work talking like that. But anyway, yeah, there's your angle. There's a fight. We've got the theater thing in there. All right. So we've got the theater or we've got the movie. We've got uh, the small arms treaty, and we've got uh, the setup for something big. But I'd say put that in the book, John. Uh, let's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we need something big, um, particularly because uh, Ulsterman, you know, the uh, the Ulsterman report. Oh yeah, which I love reading. So now the uh, so we have the Wall Street Insider, we have the White House Insider, and the Wall Street Insider brought in a new character, the Military Insider. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, and uh, apparently someone who's been in the military for twenty-three years, and uh, so the part one of his interview with the military insider has uh, uh, came out earlier this week, and the military insider says that he has seen a report. Well, I'm just going to bring up uh, this uh, this article, so I don't I don't want to misquote it. And you know, and and I have to say, the White House insider and uh, Wall Street insider have been uh, pretty accurate in. In what they have, um, what they have discussed and, uh, and predicted throughout the what's it now a year and a half that he's been publishing these reports. <laughs> so here's what the military insider says. Uh, he says, hold on a second. Uh, approximately two years ago, not quite two years ago, I received information pertaining to an election contingency plan for 2012. After the 2010 elections, there were particular operatives specific to the Obama administration and Democratic Party leadership indicating an overwhelming need to secure a second term for President Obama. The document's title was By Any Means Necessary. Hmm. It's kind of cool. So, any means necessary could be anything. What was, what was, what's underway that they have to do this? Well, that's by any means necessary. No, no, they're going to get him back in by any means necessary, yes. but why? Oh, because he has to destroy America, of course. Well, that wouldn't be it. <laughs> Come on. This is, this is the Ulsterman report. <laughs> That's obvious. By any means necessary. So meanwhile, there were some very interesting things, and of course, this dis disrupted two main topics and, uh, and two um, hearings on the Hill one regarding uh, the Muslim Brotherhood conversation, which, of course, heated up big time with uh, Michelle Bachman. That's now off the radar. That's gone, done, and uh, this certainly is perfect if you want to get rid of a conversation that is embarrassing and upsetting uh, to the administration. I'll get to that in a second. But the other one was about um, money laundering. 
And there was a Senate Homeland Security hearing um, with, I guess, uh, Levin is uh, the chairman of that hearing. And he had a guy on from the Treasury Department, David Cohen. And, uh, you know, the question, of course, is, uh, you know, is this still happening? Is this is drug money still being laundered uh, through uh, through banks uh, from uh, Mexico? And uh, and uh, what are we doing against it and how are we stopping that? And his answer was uh, oh, just not so surprising, even though they've got new rules down in Mexico, as you just pointed out, I think, starting in 2010, um, are illicit drug proceeds still being laundered into U.S. financial institutions. Mr. Cohn? Uh, I think there's no question that there <laughs> continues to be a problem with money laundering in U.S. financial institutions uh, coming from the Mexico, from the Casas de Cambio and other institutions in Mexico, uh, as well as from other sources where uh, illicit proceeds are placed into the U.S. financial system. So this was actually a very interesting hearing. It was four hours. Uh, I couldn't pull a lot of clips. I have one more. Um, they had uh, a whole bunch of douchebags from HSBC, Mexico, and, you know, they're all like, I don't recall. Yeah, no, I didn't know about it then. And, you know, all the typical bull crap. Um, and, but, you know, how is uh, how are they combating this and, and how is the money still slipping through is answered here by uh, David, uh, by uh, David Cohen of the Treasury Department. Um, with respect to Mexico, obviously there is a substantial amount of legitimate trade with Mexico and a substantial amount of legitimate U.S. dollars that are spent in Mexico. And what we see is these Mexican financial institutions working with Casas de Cambios and then working with U.S. financial institutions to take in U.S. dollars from, uh, from the Mexican economy. It, dirty money is layered in with... <laughs> It's layered in. Uh, so it's like it's snuck in between the other dollars. Like here, this is such it's such theater of the mind. You know, it's like it's layered in. No, no, it's a it's a it goes through the computer. You know, the guy brings the cash into the Casa de Cambio, whatever it's called, Costco de Cambio. Uh, they they stick the money there and then they just do a computer transfer. No, but it's like it's layered, like it's double folded or something. Legitimate funds and placed into U.S. financial institutions. That's a that continues to be a serious problem, even after the really very important and aggressive steps that the Mexican government has taken to restrict the ability of businesses and individuals to deposit U.S. dollars directly into Mexican financial institutions. We've also seen uh, some displacement of the money laundering cycle. So instead of the drug dollars just moving into Mexico, uh, because of the steps the Mexican government has taken, we've seen some of these dollars move further south uh, and coming back into the U.S. financial system from countries further uh, into Central America. Yeah. So uh, an answer is, yeah, of course, because this is the only money that is coming into the system. All the other money we have in the United States is just uh, negative numbers in the big database that swirls around and around and around and is leveraged and re-leveraged and leveraged again. And the, the only actual liquidity, only money coming into the banks is drug money. And we know that in 2009, it was uh, almost $400 billion dollars. And I went back and I looked at, uh, there was a great report that Max Kaiser did um, uh, in 2011. 
And 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 you got to watch this video. Uh, it's in the show notes, 428.nashownotes.com, where Stacey Herbert uh, correlates the 2008 collapse to uh, the, the drug cartels um, refusing to launder their money into the U.S. banks because of all the... You know, all the noise that was being being made about uh, uh, cracking down and legalizing drugs and exactly what we were talking about in the last episode, John, um, that uh, the drug cartels is, you know, they're being threatened by uh, the administration a number of ways, including, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to get people hooked on the legal drugs we have over here. But what they then do is they say, okay, all right, then we just won't put any money into your banks and see how you like that. And she correlates down to the the week, the week uh, of the start of the financial crisis in 2008 with the drug cartels stopping uh, the laundering of money. So uh, this explains so much that we've uh, that we've seen over uh, over the past few years. And of course, this somehow ties into LIBOR. Because you know the money that banks lend to each other in the the uh, the London interbank offered rate is relies directly upon new money coming into the system. Sheila Bear was interviewed on MSNBC or I think CNBC, uh, and now she was the douchebag that ran. Uh, did she run the SEC? Did she? Uh, what did she run? Sheila Bear. Wasn't she the one that was in that other operation that was a, the offshoot of the SEC and she was brought into the SEC? She, I can't remember the players anymore. She, uh, Here, let's look it up. Look it up in the book of knowledge, for God's sake. Yeah, we shall do that. The book of knowledge. I'm sorry. She was the, uh, the FDIC, Federal Deposit. Oh, she, okay, Insurance. she's FDIC. Okay. Got right. It. Uh, she, she served on the board of directors. And uh, she had... Uh, She's so surprised, and she didn't know about any of this, of course. And you, That's it, shocker. But you can hear the when the lie comes, it's so funny, because she's very eloquent. She speaks extremely well. Uh, of course, it's crazy. The Federal Reserve knew about this scandal. They didn't investigate. They knew about it. Did you know about it? Uh, 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 sure, I, I want to ask you about LIBOR before we run out of sure. time. One, okay. one more question. Do, do you think, having knowing what the Fed knew back in 2008, right. should it have done more? Yeah, yeah, again, based on what I am reading in the papers, I think they should have. It's, uh, looking at those emails, it looks like they had uh, pretty explicit uh, notification of, of some very bad behavior. And I don't understand why they didn't investigate. I think they deserve credit for trying to suggest some reforms. Uh, but again, even those reforms did not tackle the core problem, which was that it wasn't a transaction-based survey. It was a judgment survey. But I don't understand why they didn't investigate, uh, given what they were being told. I don't understand that. And they did have authority to do that. Sheila, did you know about it? Did I know about it? I knew, I, well, I knew, read what, it, what I read in the papers. I... <laughs> when someone lies, even a kid does this, you always repeat the question. Did you know about it? Did I know about it? Ah. It wasn't a transaction-based survey. This. It was a just I go back and do it again. Yeah. survey. But I don't understand why they didn't investigate, uh, given what they were being told. I, I don't understand that. And they did have authority to do that. Sheila, did you know about it? Did I know about it? I knew, I, well, I knew, read what, it, what I read in the papers I knew about. I knew that there was a, a market perception that LIBOR was judgmental, and it was. But no, I had no idea that there was actual, you know, judgments, one thing, uh, the kind of, you know, really overt race fixing. She's, she's completely lost control of her mouth. Yeah, <laughs> she just can't, she can't help herself anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm I didn't take the cookie from the cookie jar. Uh, did I break the cookie Take jar? The cookie. 
<laughs> did I take the cookie? Did I take I the, co- take the cookie? No, you have to. You I have to. Re- I took the you have to repeat the question. Did Did yeah. I take the cookie? Uh, well, the, you know, I, I saw. I, I saw the thing. The crumbs on the ground. The cookie was missing. <laughs> I noticed that. Uh, I know the cookie was missing. But I didn't take the she cookie. Didn't ask, you know, she never actually says. She actually beats around the bush on the end. Of course. I didn't have what, what am I going to say. Uh, Peter Doyle, ex-IMF uh, guy who was in charge of, um, uh, well, for one thing, the, uh, the IMF uh, bailout board uh, has become a, somewhat of a whistleblower. And uh, he has uh, come out and said... Uh, uh, the leadership of the IMF is tainted. He's ashamed to have worked there. This guy's cruising for a bruising for sure. Oh, yeah, he's, he's going to be hanging upside down. He writes of incompetence, failings, disastrous appointments for the IMF's managing director. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, well, we know how that all came about. Uh, the fact is most clear in regard to appointments for managing director, which over the past decade have all too evidently been disastrous. Even the current incumbent, Ms. Lagarde, is tainted as neither her gender, integrity or Elan can make up for the fundamental illegitimacy of the selection process. Uh, he might want to consider a move. <laughs> That's a, this, is, this is not the way to go. This is a very, very, very <laughs> bad idea to yeah. be talking like that. My What's goodness. his name again? Um, his name is, hold on, Peter Doyle, D-O-Y-L-E, Peter Doyle. O-Y-L-E, only look him up on the yeah, book There may be something the in there that gives us something. There may be something else going on here. Could be. Uh, because that's just the dumbest thing imaginable. You can't do that. Oh well, not from that. For, not from I'm, th- I'm thinking this is the. I'm thinking he's promoted in the, his book. This is probably the guy who wrote the book that says in eight years uh, well, everything's going to fall apart and the U.S. So, will come. Remember? Oh, what? that guy. So he's. So he's not. If you look up the book of knowledge, he's not even. He's an actor, an admiral, a singer, right? He's not even in here. <laughs> really? You, you looked up Peter Doyle, IMF. Well, I looked him up to try in the book of knowledge, but I have to if I look him up just in the internets, it's a different story. Yeah, I can find him. Let me see. That makes no Shame sense. Shame to have any association. Peter Doyle, Wikipedia. Yeah, here we go. I didn't uh, see it. No. Uh, oh, that's that. No, that's not it. You're right. That's no. He's accurate. not in the Wikipedia. Hmm. Interesting. So he's he's brought up as a straw man. Hmm. Hmm. Let me see. Peter Doyle, IMF book. Is this the guy who wrote the book? I don't know. It's got a uh, lot of ink. Yeah. Hmm. You know that the uh, the IMF building in D.C. is five times the size of the Treasury. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> and by the way, gorgeous. Yeah, and it has underground. It goes like five stories underground. It's, you know, those people they do run run everything. Yeah, no, he's, you, you don't mess with them. So this morning uh, in uh, German magazine Der Spiegel, the uh, IMF stated, this is all still in German, still coming. It may be in English by now. I'm sure someone is, you know, the great journalists at Huffington Post have probably run it through the Google Translate. Uh, IMF funds is seriously considering to stop uh, financial aid to Greece. And uh, which means in September they will run out of uh, all cash. So this is and the Der Spiegel is, I think, pretty reputable. They, their sources are usually quite good. So that's uh, news coming out of Euroland. But even funnier right now, former U.S. President Bill Clinton is uh, in Greece 
<laughs> Atten wait a minute. Attention, citizens of Greece. The apocalypse is near. Bill Clinton is in your country. He is, <laughs> he is representing the Hellenic Initiative. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, how, lo how lovely is that? Uh, Clinton <laughs> is in Greece to promote the Hellenic Initiative, an initiative by businessmen of Greek origin living abroad in Saudi Arabia who want to facilitate foreign investment in the debt-ridden country. We're coming to buy your shit. We hear it's cheap. Unbelievable. Uh, he, Clinton wants an island. He He's well, going to walk away with this with it. I guarantee Clinton will have this. Will, I'm putting this in the book. Well, he, Clinton well, will end up yes. with an island oh, all he, to himself. He will have an island, I'm sure. he got it for free. It'll be his payoff, his Benny. He doesn't need money anymore. It's just like, yeah, give me an island. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of islands, um, Haiti, <laughs> another one of uh, Bill Clinton's conquests. Check this out. Uh, Reuters now reports... Uh, let me get the. Let me see what the actual. Um, that's just so funny. Uh, what is the headline here? On the uh, AP. I'm sorry. U.S. pledge to rebuild Haiti not being met. Oh, really? I want to remind everybody about <laughs> not being met. I want to remind you about the George Clooney uh, telethon and everyone came together and we are the world and we're all going to send money. And you, you texted your ten dollars, you stupid fools. You fell right in. You fell right into their trap. I'm telling you, we just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash. That's right. So here we go. Uh, we're talking about $10 billion. Um, now, they have spent some money. This is the best part. $988 million, so that's almost a billion dollars, didn't go into Haiti to rebuild. It went towards debt relief. Debt relief. So Haiti's like busted up. Oh, went to the banks. Yes. Hello. It, it's busted up. People are dead. And then there's and then you text your ten dollars and the bankers go, yeah. Uh, well, before we help them out, uh, let me just see. Let me look at the books here. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Computer says no. You owe us money, so we're going to take that now. Uh, so they so that's a billion dollars right off the top. Less than twelve percent of the reconstruction money sent to Haiti after the earthquake has gone towards energy, shelter, ports, or other infrastructure. At least a third, three hundred twenty-nine million went to projects that were awarded before the earthquake to HIV AIDS program. So there were all the NGOs going, hey, bitches, there's some money coming in. Yeah, we need uh, the money for uh, the, this uh, program we have going on. Can you believe the mismanagement of all of this? Which it wasn't I, mismanaged. You're, you're, you're completely crazy. It wasn't mismanaged. It was managed perfectly. I'm sorry. What am I talking about? It wasn't mismanaged. And, of course, the special envoy for all of this, the guy in charge of the purse strings, is... Uh, what's his name again? Oh, yeah. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. It's just... Yeah, what a, what a character. Now, now, here's an interesting thing that just cropped up on a PSA talking about the same scam... The USAID has a public service announcement where they're begging for money, asking you to to text some something and it goes to the Horn of Africa. 
Play this clip. I'm sorry, which clip is this? USAID begging for money. Oh, (laughs) that makes sense. Right now, over 13 million people are affected by famine, war, and drought in the Horn of Africa. But saving these lives doesn't take a lot. It just takes a lot of us. So I'm forwarding these facts to every shaman, tuk-tuk driver, Sherpa, Kurdistan tea house owner, iguana butcher, and Ozark squirrel chef I've ever met. Text GIVE to 74-4-4-4 to donate $10 and forward the facts. Hey! I like this. Hey, I'm Adam. He's John. We're tuk-tuk drivers. (laughs) I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda Imagine all the people who could do that Oh yeah, that'd be fab Yeah, on No Agenda Before I start naming the names that are helping us out here I want to play a clip which is a uh, PBS anti this is the this is I think in many ways our competition they they have commercials they they they're corrupt they beg for money and and then <laughs> one of their own one of their own just has a misstep without trial without explanation they they out and out fire him this is a very interesting story what happened to Fred Willard who apparently got caught with his pants down supposedly allegedly in a, a porn movie theater uh, and he just, but here's the story you can get. To get well, well, what's what's the clip, John? The clip is PBS anecdote okay, pre-donation segment. Oh, duh. In other news, Anchorman actor Fred Willard is speaking out about his arrest for lewd conduct, saying it didn't happen. Willard, who recently appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live, says strange circumstances led him to the seedy adult theater in Hollywood where cops busted him. The 72-year-old Willard says he and the cops have a difference of opinion about what really happened. From the same producers comes a new series, Market Warriors. Just hours after news of his arrest, PBS fired Willard from his job on the TV show, Market Warriors. Oh, there you go. Porn, they're, they're, they're sex offenders. He didn't do anything. A guy gets arrested for whatever reason. It's not, it hasn't gone to trial. He's not guilty of anything. But, oh, according to PBS, he's guilty. So he's fired immediately. Yeah, so maybe uh, did the show, or maybe he just had no ratings. Well, that would be different. Yeah. They, 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 that's common to fire people for that. You just, but this is, anyway, this is just to point out, you know, to people that, the, you know, we don't have we don't these go, we don't go, pressures. We don't go we don't to porn pressures. theaters. We, well, <laughs> I, I get your point. I'm just messing with you. So let's start with Jeff in Orlando. Gave us $100. I heard you mention your support for Gary Johnson. Met him in Orlando. He's getting my vote. I hope Ron Paul fans will speak out for Gary Johnson because the media is not providing anything even close to equal time. I coded a little pasteable web widget that jumps right to candidates' campaign pages and you launch their YouTube page. Uh, please ask the tech crowd to paste the code on as many sites as possible. And equaltimeproject.com is where you go. Cool. Check Thank it out. You. Thank you for your donation. Uh, Raymond Williams, Lafayette, Florida, $100 with no comment. Michael Shoemaker in Rancho Cucamonga, Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga, uh, California. Ah! Yep. Sixty-nine, sixty-nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ralph Bao in Scanjack, Oberlin. John, not Ralph, John. John, did I say Ralph? Yeah, oh, for some reason. Anyway. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. I've, I've somebody, something I'm hearing in my brain. Scanjack, Overland Park, Kansas, sixty nine, sixty nine. Another one. Make sure that this is a drunk donation because JCD always makes me laugh. No serious at work, cracking me up. People wondering what I'm laughing at. 
Just that, okay, I don't think he's drunk. That's the problem. Because when you're drunk, you're, you're, your structure is different. It's not sure drunk enough yet, he says. Anyway, I'll read it straight. Sorry. Just put it in my Android Bluetooth chat game, chat it out, which purchases uh, will net the podcast a portion, 33 cents out of each 99 cents. Not sure drunk enough yet, he... He bright back after beer, another beer. <laughs> He's drunk. He's okay. drunk. He bright back after another beer. So website is in progress. Setting UPM or something. Our chatted.com. Okay. Okay. Beer good. Please send me a trains good app sales, family health, job safety karma. If you would. Thank you guys for keeping me sane and providing the sound clips. <laughs> oh, okay. All aboard. Trains good. Planes bad. And onward, Andre Schmid in Peabody, Massachusetts, or as we say, Massachusetts. Uh, that's where the, my wife's family came from, Peabody. 6969, been listening for more than a year, thought it was time to give back. I'm making this donation on behalf of one of the people who turned me on to the podcast, the best in the universe, I might add, my brother Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude. He's turning 28 on the 21st, we have him listed. Uh, he'll be happy to get some get laid karma. Even though we're far apart, I know he needs it more than I do. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Plus, he's a monthly donor, and this will keep him a little closer to his knighthood. Speaking of donors, I need to call out Lincoln Jr. as a douchebag. Douchebag. Since he, I quote, stopped donating some time ago. Oh, well, really? Thank you both for the weekly entertainment, although I piss off everybody else by calling all the BS every time I see or hear news. <laughs> yeah, you, you got you to be careful. Uh, you gotta, and certainly now is not the time to go around saying uh, at the office, well, this is clearly a false flag to set up for something bigger. <laughs> don't just, do that. Don't do that. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, keep that amongst us. Here's some getting laid karma for your buddy there. You've got karma. Just keep that, keep that on the down low. Apparently, okay. he's in Lausanne, Switzerland at the moment. Oh, nice. So he's not in Peabody, Massachusetts. Uh, Sir Todd Simons, eight, plane, eight mile planes in Queensland. 6969. 6969 since November 20th, 09. I'd like to congratulate Mickey. I don't know what that means. I'd like to congratulate Mickey and Adam on their recent wedding. I requested karma for the wedding of Dame Melissa and I. Guess what? It worked. Whoa. Not only was the day flawless, but we recently certified with science that my contribution on the day I donated for the karma also helped my Dame and I in the conception of a human resource to be. Yay! Excellent. It worked. Sir Glenn Riccio in Charlottesville, Virginia. 6969. Best wishes to Adam and Mickey and Alex uh, Bymeyer. I think Tul it's Bill Meyer. Could be. In Tulfs, somewhere. 6666. Owen Ball in London. Uh, London? London, UK. Uh, ITM from the land of the Get No Mo Nation Olympics. $50 value for value plus 1607 wedding congratulations booster. <laughs> Hopefully this goes some small way to repaying in some small way to repaying the hours of entertainment you've provided me on my rather lengthy commute. Of course it does. We highly appreciate the value. We for are value. the commute friends of the commuter. Yes. Keep up the great work. Joe the dish slave in Stockton. 60. Here with a $60 happy nuptials donation for Adam and Mickey with no E. Please Credit this toward my wife's damehood. Mention my podcast at OzoneNightmare.com and play the biodiversity jingle. Okay. 
Greg uh, Steerly in Santa Monica, 5555. Happy birthday. Shout out. Do we have her listed? Yeah, I think we do. Mm-hmm. Shirley Lee. Lee. Kyle Kinzel, 5510. Double nickels on the dime from Green Bay, Wisconsin, home of the, of the Green Bay Packers. Karma works. I listened to my border crossing karma from episode 2424 about 20 minutes before crossing the U.S.-Canada border. After a short Q&A from the Border Patrol officer, including if I've ever been fingerprinted. Can you imagine? Yeah, really? Hey, ever been fingerprinted? Yeah. Yeah, my thumbprint when I'm, a, I'm from California. I got a California license today. You always take our thumbprint. Does that count? Take note, boners. Not only is no agenda part of the balanced news diet, it helps with international travel as well. He's a two to the head, little girl, shut up, slave combo. Why? Because how freaking adorable is that kid? <laughs> great work. Shut up, slave. That's a great combination, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I ran call for a reprise. Play it again. Oh, wow. Reprise. Okay. Shut up, slave. It has extra good meaning with the shells. John M. Bow in Overland Park, Kansas, double nickels on the dime. Still drinking. Wanted to say congratulations to Mickey and Adam. Women first because, well, if nothing else, the view is better. <laughs> Wishing them all the best. I wanted to set up some Dame Karma. S- I wanted Dame Night. Sorry. I wanted to set up some Dame Night section on outchatted.com oh, for the Android game. John, John comes in with two donations. He, he was so drunk he sent two. Double shot of karma, please, as this would be my second donation for the show. Yeah. Number um four something. Here it is somewhere right four two eight. Oh kid MILF for the wife, please. Uh so MILF karma. Yeah, yeah. Where's the where's the kid MILF? Hold on a second. Here we go. Mm-hmm. That's one hot MILF, baby. <laughs> You've got karma. Ben Doosling in Ottawa, Ontario, fifty five, capital. Hey guys, my father's birthday is the twenty second. I was thinking, we have him listed. Doozling. Uh, yes, we do. Ben. Yep. Why ben do you Ken. buy someone who has? What do you buy someone who has everything? Another old man cap? <laughs> you have those. You have old man caps. I've seen you wear an old man cap. Yeah, really? Yeah. Heck no. So I asked him what he wanted, and he said, "Make a donation to the No Agenda Aww. Show on my behalf." Aww. So here we are. Please put it toward his night fund and throw some karma his way. Thanks, homies. Addition, I made a donation to my father's birthday on the upcoming Sunday show, and I forgot to insert his name. Yeah, we got so, it. All right, here it is. We got we'll it. Karma and a birthday shout-out coming. You've got karma. Chris Whitten in Huntersville, North Carolina, $50. Congratulations, Adam and Mickey. Wanted to let you guys know I donated a few weeks ago, and I asked for job karma. Ended up getting two raises in the past month. <laughs> One was a normal raise, and the other was from a job promotion. For the Christians who don't like the karma thing, think of it as sowing and reaping instead. It's the same thing. Thanks for teaching me how to think critically instead of just blindly accepting what I see and hear. Can I get a, we've got to talk about that karma? Huh? What? What? We've got to talk about that? I don't know that we have it. We've got to talk about that. That's something I recall. I don't think we have one. Well, give him a... Uh, uh, a huntsman karma, and that may do the trick. Okay. <laughs> You've got karma. It's like asking for a shake and getting a black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same thing. He's going to have to g- g- explain what he meant. <laughs> and then finally, we got two fifty dollars donations each from uh, James Malloy and Ennis uh, something somewhere. I have no idea. It's Claire. Uh-huh. And uh, from Parts Unknown, Kyle Bower. Bauer. 
uh, $50. I want to thank them and all the people that donated the show. 428 as we move along in their numbering. We're headed, of course, toward our fifth anniversary in October. We have to uh, set up a special fund for that. Uh, and also a couple of interesting shows coming up. So um, Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com. Or, I'm sorry, channeldevork.com slash NA, noagendashow.com and noagendanation.com. Please help us continue this uh, pursuit of the truth. And I, <laughs> that's a good one, pursuit of the truth. Yes. Uh, and in, uh, in addition to that, I'm, I'm, you know, it's great that we got married because I see lots of uh, great uh, donations coming in with karma for me and Ms. Mickey, no E. Uh, and, I, and look at it, you know, if we hadn't gotten married... Uh, Dame Astrid, you know, it would have been low. So um, hopefully we can uh, pick up a little uh, of the slack that we I, I expect to see on the Hot Pockets tour. And I don't know, there might be, uh, I wonder if there's a, um, a No Agenda Producers update coming up after the show. I'm not quite sure, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll know in a minute. And I also wanted to give a special uh, uh, karma to Da Den Man, a little... Uh, Fuck the cancer karma for him. You've got karma. All right. And again, everybody, uh, we appreciate all of your donations to the program. We do not have any commercials, so we're not like PBS. We get all kinds of pressure and we have to, uh, you know, I'd hate to have to fire John just for whatever he did. You know, I can't do that, but I don't have to do that because there's no one leaning on us. No one leaning on us. The only people who lean and we lean on is you and you do that here. Dvorak.org. Slash N A. It's your birthday, birthday. I know Sheree Jacobson congratulates his sister Liz. She turns 53 years old on the 24th. Andrew Schmidt says happy birthday to his brother Jean-Claude, who turned 28 on the 21st. Greg Steerly congratulates Shirley Lee. And Ben Deusling, uh Sends out congratulations and thanks for the donation to his dad, Ken Doosling, celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday from all of us here at the vast staff and management of the No Agenda program. It's birthday, yeah. And then we have uh, one night today, which is great. Uh, an insta night, as we call them. So if you can uh, grab your blade there, John. Comes. Very good. Ah, ah. Eponymous, step forward, please. And thank you so much for catching up uh, six months of being a donor. A boner, that is, now turning into a donor. And, uh, wow, instant night. That's so awesome that you've come uh, to do that for us. So please kneel as I hereby pronounce the Sir Eponymous, the Beach Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. You, sir, anonymous or eponymous or eponymous, you got your hookers and blow rent boys and Chardonnay wenches and beer and hot pants and booze. It's all right here at the Roundtable for the No Agenda Knights and the Danes. And uh, I'm looking forward to... Uh, I, think we, uh, I don't know if we're going to do Tokyo next year. No, next year we're going to do West Coast. Then after that we do uh, either Tokyo or Australia. I think maybe... Well, <laughs> Japan. Japan. I, I think you should stop in and say hi to our... Uh, we can, why don't we just, on our way, we'll just go to, go to Japan uh, go on to our Australia. way. Yeah, we'll go on our way to Australia. You know, Mickey lived in Japan for five years, so she... Well, knows. she speaks Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure she does. Yeah, to some degree, it'll, it'll probably come back to her. She, but she, more importantly, she understands. I'm sure, whatever she says, they listen. Uh, yeah, She's, yeah. <laughs> look at me. Yeah, she tells yeah, me, oh, yeah, yes, yes, dear, yes, dear, whatever you. Yes, so dear. you know, while on the topic of corruption in the media, I, I want 
I was watching 60 Minutes, and I just have to put put this this in. It's the CBS and Steve Jobs book. Uh, I play this clip, and it, this is just to me. You know, the Steve Jobs book was the bestseller or this year probably will be the bestseller. But to just to, to squeeze a few extra dollar shekels out of the poor wow. people that watch 60 Minutes, they put this in. I didn't realize that CBS 60 Minutes owns the book. When Walter Isaacson first began working on the book, which is published by Simon & Schuster, a division of CBS, Steve Jobs' wife, Lorene Powell, told him, be honest with his failings. Yeah, well, of course, this is how it works. Duh. I'm just, you know, just yeah. every time I hear something like this, I just get, it's so annoying that you just, I mean, I can see why people listen to our show and then they watch, you know, they, they pick these oh, things and, up. And then they go nuts. Yeah. This. And yeah. then they get mad. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, just scam me. Yeah, no, I know. And talking about, and by the way, while well, on the topic of scamming, uh, the drug companies have got a new one. I got a kick out of it. Oh. This is another public service announcement that came out oh. on uh, this new disease, oh. <laughs> adult a a d h d or whatever. No, no, it but is. we knew about this because this is what uh, Adam from your favorite brand uh, Maroon Five is plugging. Remember the adult own own your ADHD. Remember that whole campaign? Yeah, oh yeah, now yeah. you're right. Let me. Let well, me. now they're blatant about it. Swings, poor judgment, and trouble at work. Could you have adult ADHD? Dr. Siegel and Samadhi on detecting and treating the disorder on House Call Sunday. <laughs> Wait, did I just hear a programming note uh, uh, disguising an advertisement? <laughs> it's a combination. It's but a combo shot. Nice. Very slick. Oh, in the way, wow. What makes it slick is that if you notice the beginning vamp. It was yeah. re repetitive to an extreme, yeah. Yeah. which would be, you know, something to trigger. Oh, I'm going to keep playing it over and over and over and over. Yeah, this is good. Ah, those guys, you know, they are good at it. You, no, we're, we, these people are experts, yeah. and they get the big dough. You know, there's a great video. I tweeted it last night. Uh, it's about an hour and a half. It's a movie, and uh, it's on YouTube. And according to the notes on the page... It was produced by North Korea, and it's it's you now you'll like it. You really enjoy it because it's all about Western, in particular American propaganda, and and it's really it's well done. It's well it has a, a, a English voiceover, and it's just good. You just sit there and go, ah, oh. it's almost a no agenda primer. I have to say, huh. Yeah, I'm it, glad they're doing some something. That that new guy there is interesting. <laughs> that, that kid with the with the crazy haircut. He's doing so, he's doing all right, isn't he? <laughs> so there's a couple of things. You know, we used to talk more about restaurants because we were. Ooh, we good. Were, I want to talk together, about we'll that. We tend to go out. I want to talk. We don't about do that, that anymore. I want to talk about some food actually. Well, I want to talk about a restaurant story uh, that we once did. Okay. We went to the Zuni Cafe. And then we, uh, which I'm not going to go to anymore, if based on this story, I have this SDF restaurant ripoff. You have to play this clip. We we talked about this at the time, and then didn't think much about it. Now it's a scandal. 
Good evening. I'm Ken Bastida. And I'm Dana King. The next time you go out to eat, take a close look at your bill. A new grand jury report finds some San Francisco restaurants are charging you an extra fee. The jury calls it a blatant capture of funds. The grand jury says a significant number of restaurant owners are benefiting financially from the city's universal health care program, pocketing about a million dollars in just one year. Customers were told that money was for restaurant workers' health care costs. CBS 5 reporter... Oh, wait a minute. So they're, they're not actually... Putting the money towards health care costs? They're just no, it's just the scandal. In they're just pocket. putting it in their pockets. It's just, it's a, <laughs> and remember we saw that it was on the bill? Yeah, I think we mentioned San a couple Francisco times. Health care, it, was it was like, like 10 eight, bucks. Yeah, it was like 18% or some crazy, no, 8% or some crazy amount. Yeah, it was a lot. And they yeah. were just putting that in their pocket? Oh, wow, a scam? No kidding. Wow. Very disturbing. So yesterday, we went to the market. Uh, you know, we hadn't been in, uh, in, uh, we hadn't been for two Saturdays. And so it was so wonderful. So the chicken guy, he, uh, now the, now the, this chicken guy is, uh, he, he's sophisticated. He is always interbreeding and making certain strains. And, uh, he, they gave us a, a bird. It was really cute. Uh, they drew a heart on it and said, you know, well, we didn't know what kind of China you guys had in your house. So, uh, you know, happy, uh, happy marriage, happy wedding. But he got in this whole thing about the cob. Are you familiar with the cob of the chicken? No. no. Uh, yeah, this is very interesting. So the cob is the actual shape of the chicken. And uh, he was he went in this whole thing about, you know, how they're crossbreeding all these different strains to get the perfect cob. And uh, which is, in fact, the shape of a heart. And so this was the perfect cob to draw the heart on. It was just it was a, a fascinating. I'm going to go to the guy's farm and learn more about it. Um, you know, they just hired like another guy to help with their processing. So they got like, three people on the farm. But it was just really, really sweet. And then Sebastian, my French guy. You know, the guy's yeah, going to get us the oryx. The oryx yeah, the oryx. Well, he also has some uh, some red deer venison. And some other, oh yeah, I know. He's the, the, the French guy, but he has a, a kitchen license, so he makes a. Oh crap! What's the name of it? Um, it's like the stuff that goes in the sausage. It, it's uh, they mix up all the meat. Force meat. No, no, no. It's uh, uh, oh, now now it's, I've just lost. No, no, no. It's it, the the name of the combo of the meat has a name. They serve it in restaurants. Uh, it's made of sheep, and it's. Uh, I don't know. Oh come on! Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You're, you, 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 you've taken me completely as sheep. Mickey, casing, help me out. Mickey knows sausage meat. M e a t. Hit the button. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. I have a total brain fart. Well, well I don't know that you do, you do have one. There's no there's no reference to anything. He's Mickey's going to come in in a second. She's going to remind me what the name is. And so this guy, he he makes this. Uh, he processes his. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's it's lamb, and it's just all these the 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 spices and everything. It's almost reminiscent of shawarma. If you ever had that in uh, no, no, oh. and it was just it was so. Is it, what you're telling me, he makes a good sausage, but it wasn't sausage. It, it's just it was like ground beef, but it wasn't beef. It was ground sheep. So it's a piece of grass, a ground sheep. It has a hamburger. name. It has a name. Ugh. It has a name. <laughs> the chat room is always helpful. Pink slime? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go with this. Ground sheep hamburger <laughs> like, French. Yeah, 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 yeah. That should give me something. 
chemise, a, a croque madame, a ground <laughs> no. mornay, uh, it's a sauce. She slurry. Nothing. There's nothing here. You're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. It was um ah. Oh. Mickey may not be be listening. She's not. Obviously, she'd been in here by now because it's so, the leg is not. It was not, a like it sounded like Chimera, but it wasn't Chimera. It was uh oh, Jesus. This is gonna drive me nuts. Hold on. Apparently. Hold on. Hold on. So as he goes off, let's see what else we got to talk about here. Hey, Mickey. As the show deteriorates. Okay, well, I got nothing here. I didn't bring the newspaper in today for some stupid reason. Okay, I know it's a Sunday paper. I should get somebody to bring it in. Yeah. Are we, are we still on the air? Apparently not. Marquesh. Never heard of it. No. <laughs> God. Really? Yeah, really. Marquesh? Yeah, never heard of it. With like a Q? That makes it even worse. Marquesh. Wow. Uh, Marque- Marquesh. Mar- Marquez. Marquez, I think it is. Marquez. M-A-R- Marquez. There's no H. M A R. Association of European Trademark Owners, Mark. <laughs> you know what it was? It was tasty. That's what it was. Well, it's so much for our food segment, everybody. Boy, that sucked. Yeah, that sucked. That sucked big balls. It's a horrible food segment. <laughs> our food segment blows. And by the way, the cob is the name of a chicken. <clears throat> uh, well, no, he said it was the uh, the form. I had a long conversation about it. Yeah, he gave you a long. I think he's just bullshitting you. Just Mer- to see how, Merguez. How far you'll go. Mer- oh, here, here we go. Merguez. Yeah, look up Cobb Chicken. No, hold on. I got it. Merguez. Merguez. She's got uh, Citizen X. Got it. There we go. I'll spell uh, it. The Cobb Chicken. And, here we go. M e r g u e z. Merguez. Thank you. Yeah, never uh, heard of it. Thank you. The C- Cobb is the Bluefoot. Look at Merguez. I don't care about Marquez. It's something I've never heard of before. M M A R Q M E Z M E R G U E Z G U E Z. Yes, Merguez. Okay. Red spicy mutton based fresh sausage. sausage from North African cuisine. There you go. Huh. Funny, I never heard of it. I'm sure it's good. Is the guy from Algeria? No, he's from France. What is he making these sausages for? I don't know. He sure knows how to do it. I keep an eye on him. <laughs> that ain't no Oryx. That's, that's cat. <laughs> I, I wonder what happened to the next door neighbor's cat. All right. Sorry about that. I, I, I shall never do that again. All right. So um, let's move on to the brotherhood, shall we? Another uh, sto- a story that has been wiped off the radar. Of course, only three days ago we were talking about, you know, well, well, the media was talking about Michelle Bachman. She's a kook. She's nutty. Uh, you actually uh, read the letters because you even sent me, you did send me a, a highly unusual. The letter you, is fantastic. Yeah, with the, uh, where she, I mean, there's a lot of so congressional She refutes record. all the complaining. Yeah, and, and does it very well, I have to oh, say. Oh, yeah, was, she, this was a team of people that wrote this letter. It is oh, yeah. a killer. If you read this letter, you would have nothing bad to say about Michelle Bachman. And, but, of course, nobody reads the letter. No. Nobody and in addition to that, it's not just her. There's, you know, four other uh, members of the Intelligence Committee. 
And it's the Intelligence Committee of the U.S. Congress, you know, for just to go around and just say that they're crazy and nutball and uh, that there's McCarthyism, uh, they're trying to out people for no good reason, it's all crazy. Um, so there was also a, um, what are you doing? Hey. You, hello? Don't, you don't have to stop talking. Well, I, well if you're not there. I am here. I'm hearing every word you say. You have to remember I have a speaker in here. I know, but you would start whistling, and I don't know who you're whistling to. I'm whistling to JC to get the newspaper because I left a Sunday paper out there. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, you whistle and like... I I do it all the time. You've heard me whistle before. It's just to get his attention. He's in the back. It's a weird way to get your kid's attention. It's the easiest way. I don't have an intercom like you might in your fancy abode. Doesn't he respond to a dog whistle like a really high-pitched tone that the rest of us can't hear? You can just, like, do that. The dogs do respond to that. So, first of all, here's here's Bachman on C-SPAN at the Eagle Forum College. And I I, I like this clip because she's not in, uh, you know, and again, she does herself a disservice when she gets all excited, you know, and then it, it, it comes out kind of kooky sounding. Now she's really calm, uh, but she's still animated. And uh, we'll listen to what she says, and then we'll go into uh, the the Department of Homeland Security Congressional Oversight uh, hearing. I sit on the Intelligence Committee. We're a very tiny committee. There are 19 of us, and we deal with the nation's classified secrets. And something that has been abundantly clear under the Obama administration is that there has been influence from the Muslim Brotherhood at the highest levels of power. That's a violent organization from um, across the world. This is true. This is a violent organization. This is they have a history of violence, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. And so we're raising questions and we're asking questions of the inspector general to take a look into it. And let me give you one example. Two weeks ago, the State Department violated federal law. The State Department granted a visa to a member of a foreign terrorist organization from Egypt. Remember that, John? Remember we had that whole Victoria Newland thing? She was like, we're just not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you why we gave him a visa. And Matt, the guy who's always there asking the hard questions, he's like, well, yeah, she's like, no, I'm just not going to tell you. None of your business. We list this as a foreign terrorist organization on our State Department website. So our State Department broke its own law, our federal law, and granted a visa and brought a foreign terrorist into the United States. Not only did they bring this terrorist into the United States, they took him to the White House. And not only did he go to the White House... He had a meeting with the National Security Council. You don't get any higher than the National Security Council than dealing with the nation's classified secrets. What did this member of a terrorist organization request when he was in the White House two weeks ago? Sir Merguez, apparently. In violation of federal (laughs) law. He requested that the United States open up our United States prison and release to the world... The mastermind of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, the Blind Sheik. And we members of Congress are just asking a question. Why did the State Department do this? And why is this the latest in one series of another outrageous, unbelievable actions on the part of the administration to allow influence by the Muslim Brotherhood at the highest levels of power, the State Department, the White House, the Pentagon, the FBI, why is this going on? We just want to know. And for that, MSNBC, CNN, all the usual suspects have been lighting after us and saying that we're going after um, individual personalities and we're being mean to Muslims. This has nothing about being mean to Muslims. 
There are a lot of a lot of people who are Muslims who are upset about radical terrorism too. We believe that that the administration needs to keep the safety and security of the American people number one, and so that's why I'm in trouble now today. So every day I'm in trouble for something. Who cares? <laughs> so I like this because uh, she doesn't sound so kooky. You know, she sounds kind of uh, put together. She still looks she's milfy. I can't help it. She looks good. Um, and she just she's calm, collected, and she's stating some facts, which we followed here as well. And well, in that letter, she has a number of interesting points, which is really worth reading. Anyone who wants to see what really is going on instead of listening to CNBC or uh, MSNBC in particular, uh, who just slam her for, without doing any work at all. Uh, was that thing about Huma, Uma, Huma, whatever, and you know however you pronounce it? Uh, it's uh, uh, actually we have the official pronunciation. It's uh, Homa. Homa. Homa Abdin. You don't really pronounce the D, which, by the way, um, the, uh, our uh, Pakistani producer sent us the pronunciation. He said it's Homa, not Huma. So you would presume that if you knew Homa, you would say Homa, right? And not Huma, right? That's what you'd presume, yes. Right. Well, let me just replay John McCain uh, talking about this in the Senate. How painful and injurious it is when a person's character, reputation, and patriotism are attacked without concern for fact or fairness. It's for that reason that I come to the floor today to speak regarding the attacks recently on a fine and decent American, Huma Abedin. So he's not saying it right. So I don't think he knows her at all. He says he's known her for 10 years. Yeah, Huma Abedin, he says. Huma Abedin, where it's Huma Abedin. Yeah. Yes. So he doesn't know her. No, he doesn't know her. Liar, liar, pants well, on she, fire. That's a shocker. McCain, yeah, well, huh? Yeah, liar. All and right. trying to fool the public. Well, anyway, so the, the in the letter, it's very clear that because of her family, she can't get the highest uh, security clearances based on just the rules that are existing. It's got nothing to do with her. Right. It's just the rules. The rules are the rules. And if your family members and she has them that are involved with these with the Muslim Brotherhood or whoever is very just outlined very uh, clearly, clearly in the letter, uh, she can't get where she is. And so 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 this is something something is screwy. And that's all uh, Bachman wants to uncover. What is it? What's the deal? Just tell us. There's a number of uh, uh, of people that are mentioned in this letter. And one of them is Mohammed Elbert. Elberry. And Mohammed Elberry is on the uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, Advisory Committee. And he is uh, one of the guys who um, told DHS that, hey, we've got to stop saying Islamic terrorists. And we've got to purge, purge the documents of this very offensive language. Now, back in uh, January... Uh, this guy uh, was given credentials by Lucy Napolitano, intel, you know, special uh, passwords, and he downloaded information, um, in this case, about uh, the Texas intelligence services, I believe. And, um, you know, so it, it's a breach of national security that he was given these credentials to go and root around and try and out these guys as being racist against Muslims. 
And uh, th- and if you Google that, you'll see that there's uh, there's a couple of, uh, uh, you know, well, actually more than a couple of reports. But he heads up something called the Freedom and Justice Foundation. And again, this all goes back to the Holy Land, Holy Land Foundation trial, which was all of these uh, nonprofit organizations which were collecting money and then sending that on to known, uh, at least uh, by American uh, government standards, known terrorist groups. And so he heads the Freedom and Justice Foundation, who were just kicked out or their uh, uh, 501-3 status has just been revoked because for the three years they have existed, they have not once filed a Form 990. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why they didn't file that. (laughs) Because clearly the guy's a front for terrorist organizations. So this comes up in the, another three, two and a half, almost three hour uh, congressional oversight committee of the uh, Homeland Security Congressional Oversight. And uh, Gomert from Texas, he starts laying into Lucy Napolitano. Now, this is a fantastic, really fantastic clip. It's long. So when you're tired of it, let me know. But I don't think you'll want to stop it. And I, you know, and I had to sit through two hours to get to this bit. But this is, this deserves to be on television, on real TV, not just C-SPAN. It is that riveting. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Madam Secretary, for being here. Uh, when you were here before, back in October, we discussed uh, gentleman uh, uh, Mr. Elibieri, and uh, the week before, he had been online using the secret security clearance that you had given him uh, when you placed him on the advisory, the Homeland Security Advisory Council. And he had used that to access the um, uh, state and local intelligence community of interest classified material database and downloaded material. And we had information that he had uh, shopped that uh, trying to... Um, claimed Texas was Islamophobes because they were concerned about radical Islamists. But uh, since that time has... You- so it's important to just point out here, this is, uh, if you're on board with the whole um, Sharia law pushing the Islamic agenda, the whole idea is to outlaw uh, so-called Islamophobia, i.e. the irrational fear of Islam, uh, by outing people as being uh, irrationally fearful of Islam. And what you're hearing here is that he downloaded documents and shopped that to the press to try and stir up a whole brouhaha about Texas intelligence agents uh, and agency being uh, racist and uh, certainly anti-Islamic or Muslim. You told me personally at that time, that you were going to look into it. You weren't, weren't going to appoint somebody. You yourself were going to look into it. So what did you find out? Okay. This is now, now, now I'm like, mm, okay. Yes, they're just teeing it up. Yeah, I'm like, you know the guy's ready to roll, right? He hasn't done shit, no. I found out that the uh, statements that have been made in that regard are false. They are misleading. And objectionable, and I think they... So she immediately jumped into the objectionable, because the attack here is obviously, hey, you got people who are in uh, fronts for terrorist organizations uh, on your security advisory council. Okay, then, madam, you need to know that you have people who are lying in your department. 
because Texas Department of Public Safety has been told the investigation was done. He did access the classified information with his own private computer. He did download the documents that we knew he did. And the one thing they could not confirm, because they didn't talk to the reporter or the people that he shopped the story to, uh, they couldn't confirm that he shopped the story. But are you saying before this Congress right now that as Secretary of Homeland Security that it is a lie that Mohammed el downloaded material from a classified website using the secret security clearance you gave him? No, this is good. This is good. What is she going to do? Does she punt? Does she go long? Does she, does she hold on steady? Are you saying that's a lie? I'm saying that is inaccurate. That is correct. All right. What is inaccurate about that? A number of things. First of all, uh, we have a, several people on the Homeland Security Advisory Committee who are Muslim. They've been helping law enforcement for a long time. Mr. Alibieri himself was recognized by the FBI. I didn't say anything about that, so if you could confine your answer to what I said and what you find misleading in it. Well, uh, one of the things I find misleading is that he somehow downloaded classified documents. So are you saying that the state and local uh, intelligence community of interest database is not classified? Uh, I'm saying that he, as far as I know, did ah! not <laughs> download. Yeah. He's not, and Gomer's not going to have any of this, as far as I know, crap. Classified documents. And I'm now, saying, one of the games that gets played sometimes by people who come up here and testify is that they have somebody not provide them adequate information so that they can come in here and say, so far as I know, not to my knowledge, that kind of thing, <laughs> and they obscure the truth. Has Elibiari... You got to see Janet's face in this case. She is flipping out now at this guy. And this is like an old little dude geezer. Yeah, this is the guy who, who said uh, crap and trade at one time. She could sit on his head and kill him in 15 seconds. This is, this is a great exchange. Status on Homeland Security Advisory Council changed. No. It did not bother you that he accessed information. Uh, he accessed uh, some information. Oh, uh, now, he, now he did access some information. Whoops. Uh, what bothers me, quite frankly, are the allegations that are made against anyone who happens to be Muslim. And this, this, this term, by the way, happens to be, this has to be banned. This happens to be Muslim, happens to be gay, happens to be black. F that. This is a bullcrap, cop-out, bullshit statement when people say this. This really, you know, I, I hear this more and more and more. You know, it's unfortunate that a man in Texas who just happens to be bicurious, who just happens to be white, this has to stop, this happens to be. When did this start, John? Where did this come from? What is I don't the, know. I should mention I'm going to have to start tracking it. because It's it, so it is annoying. A, it's a weasel word, and it's like, uh, and it's, it, it has some psychological effect on the listener, and I'm not sure what it is. By the way, I, on various Mohammed Elbieri. 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 The guy looks like a douchebag. Oh, a total douchebag. He's a total a-hole. Yeah, yeah. He just happens to be a total douchebag. He just happens to be Muslim. The allegations are not because he is Muslim. 
you follow me around the world, you see me hugging Muslims. Or- I love this. I'm hugging Muslims from coast, from sea to shining sea, bitches. I mean, hug me. Have you hugged your Muslim today? He's a hu- Muslim hugger. Muslim hugger. This is a bumper sticker. Have you hugged a Muslim today? Around the world, because the ones I hug are our friends. And this administration seems to have a hard time recognizing members of terrorist groups who are allowed into the White House. You're aware of that happening, aren't you? Oh. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's funny because it's all over the news. So, <laughs> all right, the evidence speaks for itself. Obviously, you're kept in the dark on a lot of these things. Are you aware of what the Freedom and Justice Party is? Ooh, now he's getting nasty. The Freedom and Justice Party in Egypt. In Egypt? Uh, Representative... Um, Are you aware of what the Freedom and Justice Party is in Egypt? Mr. Chairman. Uh, uh, and this douchebag always like, yeah, Mr. Chairman, you, you can't be talking to Lucy like that. We have it's a simple question. It does not allow, it doesn't afford an interruption. The, uh, is she aware of what the Freedom and Justice Party uh, is in Egypt? Remember, the guy funded the Freedom and Justice Foundation, which for three years did not file their 990s. Would the secretary respond to the question? Yes. <laughs> Are you aware that Mr. Elibieri's foundation that has now been had their, their charter pulled because they have failed to provide the information that the government requires to keep their 501c3 status? Are you aware that that was, before the 501c3 status was pulled, called the Freedom and Justice Foundation? Representative, I'm not going to get into a debate about some of this. I'm asking I, you I, if you know simple facts. <laughs> I would like to. Exp- I would like to see. You say you're not going to get into debate. I don't want to debate. This is a question and answer. Are you aware of that being the name of his foundation that has now had the 501c3 status pulled? The insinuation. Can I you answer the question? Oh, there's no insinuation. I will allow the witness to answer the question, yes. Please, <laughs> answer just the question. Representative, with all respect, I believe you are insinuating that I and members of my staff... I am not insinuating uh, anything. I'm yeah, asking. you are. And you're doing a great job because you're getting in their panties. Asking you know, dir- this would, by the way, if the Democrats were running Congress, this guy would have been run out on a rail by now. Of luckily, course. Of course. Luckily, that's not the case because that douchebag, that other guy, I can't remember his name. I, I, he's always jumping in like this, trying oh, to yeah, save yeah. These, these, these other douchebags from being ridiculed <laughs> yeah. like this. Can we have regular order, please? Next question. Well, Mr. Mr. Chairman, you're not answering the question. The question is very simple. Let me say, are you aware of his Freedom and Justice Foundation? Uh, Let me say to the gentleman from Texas, I don't think he's going to get a different answer. Uh, if you well, then I would ask the assistance of the chairman to direct the exactly. witness to answer the, answer question, the question as asked. It's very simple. It's yes or no. Was we she aware give, we, or was we, she we not? Will, we will give the witness an opportunity to give a final answer. Yes. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I, I would just like to say for this committee, which has a proud That does not sound like a yes or no. It's <laughs> non-responsive. Mr. Chairman, regular order. Regular order. Madam Secretary, if you... answer that is non-responsive. Okay. The answer may be non-responsive. Madam Secretary, do you have anything to add? Mr. Chairman, I didn't know this was a court with rules of evidence. I was hoping I could explain my answer. Uh, do you want to proceed to do just that? 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, my question was a yes Mr. or no Chairman, regular <laughs> order. Anything but a yes or we no will, answer we is will allow the witness to answer And the, the reason there are rules of evidence is so witnesses just don't go off on a lark. Mr. Chairman, can about we have regular order? The, the, the gentleman's time has expired. Does the witness have anything to add? Shut up, Sway. Yes. This committee has a long and proud tradition. These uh. kinds of insinuations demean the committee. The insinuation that I or my staff would allow someone who is a terrorist to infiltrate. I have not insinuated that. <laughs> Thanks for putting the words out there, Lucy. Mr. Chairman, regular order. I've met him a couple of times. He's Let me a say nice to the gentleman guy. There's no such insinuation. We'll have that regular the order. Secretary we'll have of regular order. Security come in here and Mr. make an allegation that's Can we have regular order? <laughs> committee will be in order. I understand the frustration of the gentleman from Texas, but I don't believe he is going to get a different answer and the gentleman's time has expired all right that's it ladies and gentlemen so clearly the guy is a douche knuckle clearly he has a a a bogus foundation which has never filed forms he's on the advisory committee he has uh, passwords to download stuff come on apparently according to jihad watch this is the (laughs) only advisory committee member member that has these passwords yeah i know it's crazy but of course, this is all a setup for uh, the you know for our relationship with the Saudis. Um, and interesting, you remember Prince Bandar? Mm, vaguely, he was like uh, George W. Bush's and a senior's number one guy. Um, he is the uh, he was the Saudi ambassador to Washington. He has just become the new Saudi intelligence chief. So, no. oh yeah, the the pieces on the chessboard are really coming together now. So, uh, I encourage I encourage all of our listeners go read that letter. It's a it's like was it like a six pager or sixteen sixteen pages, pages. I think. But it's fun to read, and it's no, it's very good to read. It's just na- it's just one nail in the coffin after another. It's just completely being. Which it's is being besmirched by the uh, MSNBC folks and the general uh, liberal media, and uh, and publicly by by douchebags like McCain. And it's, uh, um, I mean, it's like wow. And how many people are in bed? How much money are these Saudis buying? It's like our entire government's bought off by these guys. And what's interesting is that the uh, the Dark Knight movie massacre wiped the entire conversation off the map. Won't be coming back. Will not be coming back. Right, it is. It's done. It's done. But we'll keep our eye on it because it's uh, the letter is good. The letter is good, and these these clips are fantastic. It's a great <laughs> clip. That's that's clip of the day. Oh well, thank you. I'll uh... clip of the day. That's very kind of you, John. So know. there's other news that we also overlook. <laughs> really? So I'm watching Korea today. And they tell us this story about Syria and the Olympics. Who knew? Oh, my goodness. Participate in the London Olympics. Well, if you're looking for some actual sanctions placed on Syria's sport front, um, that actually has hap- um, taken place in London because um, there's a chief of um, Olympic committee in Syria, um, Wafak Juma, and he's been denied access to, or, or entry to London because the country, the London, um, Britain, Britain has um, refused to um, issue him a visa to enter the country for any oh, reason because he is a key um, official for President Bashar al-Assad. Mm-hmm. And so far, we are not 
sure whether Syrian athletes are going to compete in the games because um, some athletes who are um, more of a rebel-related um, uh, people, they have said uh, they would rather not compete wearing a flag that they're not proud of. Yeah. <laughs> That's bull crap. <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, but these Olympics, by the way, we've talked about the uh, the advertisement enforcement uh, team. They have like 300 agents and you can't... Yeah, a bunch uh, of co- the, uh, co- the logo cops. The logo cops. So they, there's two parts to the logo cops. One part is you're not allowed to wear any other logos except for officially sanctioned logos. But you also can't use the O word. In fact, you can't use the word... You can't say Olympic rings. You can't use games, summer games. You can't use the word um, bronze, I think, even is, uh, is a protected word now in Gitmo UK. And so there's this comedian, Stuart Lee, in, uh, in Gitmo Nation East, and he tweeted out uh, some, something funny about, like, uh, uh, I think it was about the, uh, you know, get some anusol for your Olympic rings, <laughs> which is a hemorrhoid cream in the UK. And, uh, you know, and the, but, but, but everyone's, like, doing great on this. We're sucking because he actually uh, got the Olympic uh, Advertisement Enforcement Office to uh, have him remove his tweet, which, of course, immediately went viral, and everyone's retweeting the thing. And and we need to get on this bandwagon. We need to have, like, all kinds of Olympic stuff all over our our album art. We should call (laughs) ourselves the official Olympic podcast. We need to get banned. (laughs) We need to get banned somehow, man. That's how we get some attention. Official Olympic podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody, this is the No Agenda Show, your official Olympic Summer Games podcast. <laughs> don't you think that's great? Yeah. What do you think will happen? What are they going to do? They're not going to shut down our well, advertising. You know, USA and the entire court system in this country is in bed with it. I mean, this is all a violation of all the copyright laws. It, the, the word Olympic is a public domain term. Anyone should be able to use it. But no, they've enforced this over and over as a trademark of some sort, which is bull crap. And I think I have the right to use it. Too far. And our courts back them up. This Olympic thing is deep. It's deeply it's embedded in deep into the structure of society and it's just, and they they'll throw the book at you. Well, I think you and I have some right to the word podcast. So, I think we can call this the official Olympic podcast because the uh, the primary word is podcast. The Olympic part is just we're just throwing that in. We're not saying it's the official podcast of the Olympics, it's the official Olympic podcast. Olympic podcast, we can say that. Well, since I actually have a place in the Olympic Peninsula. <laughs> there you go. It's valid. What are they going to do? The way, are they going to arrest the way, us? During that era, uh, when they were up in Vancouver, they were busting everybody in, the, in, the, in Washington State, which is the Olympic Peninsula, for using like Olympic, uh, there'd be some Olympic uh, shop, uh, vacuum cleaner store, the Olympic vacuum cleaner store. And they would be, there'd be guys knocking on the door. Yeah. Tell them they can't use the name Olympic for anything. What kind of? And they were suing them. They were suing people left yeah, and right. Yeah. So can they sue us? I mean, we we, we don't have any advertising. I'm not going to do it. They're going to sue us. I, screw them. Why should we give them any publicity? No, because we'll get publicity. We won't. Yes, we will. <laughs> I'm telling you, we'll get publicity for this. We'll get no publicity. <laughs> and then they'll bust into my house and they'll find my uh, my arsenal. Yeah, next thing you know, you'll be in cuffs. <laughs> Come on, man. Where's, where's your sense of adventure? No. No? Mm. Pussy.
screw them. No, I just don't think we should be giving them any sort of – it's more publicity for them than us. Same thing with what's going on. You know, she still puts the name in the oh, the Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. People are going to go to these damn games. I think the Olympics is one of the most, one of the worst operations ever in the history of mankind. Have you, and what's up with this torch? Congress so, granted them. Congress granted them exclusive use of the word Olympic to the Olympic Committee. Yeah, that's exclusive. Yeah, that's uh... <clears throat> bullshit. And this Congress—that's Olymp- Congress. That's your McCain. Did you see the Olympic torch? They put it on top of the London Eye. I mean, this thing has been running for 65 days. They keep putting this torch. Over. It's like, remember the 9-11 guy? Remember all those photoshops? We had like the, the guy with the glasses, the, sun, the sunglasses, and you'd have like a plane flying into the World Trade Center, and he showed up. It was like a meme, an internet meme. Yeah, no. Oh, come on. Yes, you do. Okay, I remember. No, oh, the 9-11 guy. Hold on a I second. I don't know the 9-11 guy. I don't remember Tourist this. guy. Tourist guy. That's his name. Yeah, Google tourist guy. <laughs> so on. like the pedo bear? Google tourist guy and then click on images. Im- images for 9-11 tourist guy. Yeah. He's about 10 days. Oh, yeah, this guy. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> He's like, this- yeah, like the one where the plane is coming <laughs> yeah. in underneath him. That guy. That's what the torch has become. The torch is everywhere. The torch is everywhere. The, the, the guy, ah, I, I went to take a crap. There was the torch in the toilet. This torch. This is like, and everyone gets to hold the torch. And there's always, and whenever someone comes near it, there's like five guys who jump on you and pound you to the pavement. Because, you know, oh, boy, you might touch the torch. Yeah, exactly. Don't touch the torch, man. It's sacred. It's the sacred torch. I'm boycotting. The, you know what? The only thing I'll, if there's any hot chicks, I'll watch the Olympics. Otherwise, I'm boycotting it. Is there anyone hot looking on this show? I don't know. I just don't watch it generally. <clears throat> I mean, I'll watch Usain Bolt because he's kind of entertaining. I'll see if you, that, that'll be, I'll watch the, the 100 meter. That's the only one. 100 meter because it's so exciting. Yeah, it's not. That, well, that's about as exciting as the Olympics are. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, look at this. Here we go. And now, back to real news. Actually, um, I should do a Hollywood Whackers here if I could find it. Hmm. You have Maybe. a Hollywood Whackers? Yeah, I do have a Hollywood Whackers. So Paris Jackson uh, has been tweeting about uh, her... Paris Jackson? Yeah, Paris. Yeah, Michael's Michael's kid. Yeah, Michael had like a kid named. I didn't Paris. know he had a kid named Paris. Yeah, and one named Blanket. Blanket. Yeah, and one named Prince. His three huh. kids: Paris, Prince, and Blanket. <laughs> I can't look. I don't make up the names, man. I just report them. <laughs> so um, the news came out last night that uh, Catherine Jackson, who is, uh, yeah, she was not given sole executorship over the uh, over. Michael Jackson's uh, fortune in his will, uh, but she is like the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The executor. She, well, there's two lawyers involved, but yeah, she she basically calls a lot of the shots and can do a lot of the deals because Michael really only uh, trusted Catherine Jackson with that, and uh, the other kids, Randy and Tito and Jermaine. They uh, had written a letter to the judge saying, you know, this is bull crap. We've got to get her off. She has, she's not doing it right. She's not doing it right. And then all of a sudden, Paris Jackson starts tweeting that Catherine's gone missing. 
And the, uh, you know, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department confirmed that uh, Paris, Prince, and Blanket had not been able to reach her all week. And, uh, you know, they had referred her to the Homicide Missing Person Unit. So I'm like, this is a two to the head. They're going to get rid of Grandma so, they, so that uh, Jermaine and Tito and all these losers, who just total losers, who, do, who are on, like, Big Brother shows because they, they're just losers, they're going to off the old, the old broad to take over the money. And then, oh, now all of a sudden we get an update. Um, mother is fine. This is from, uh, who said this? Jermaine. Mother is fine, but is resting in Arizona on orders of the doctor. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. All of a sudden she's, from, she's gone from uh, California to Arizona. She has to rest from the doctor. Who is the doctor? The doctor who is recommending this quote-unquote rest is Alan Metzger. That's the guy who testified for the defense of Dr. Conrad Murray's involuntary manslaughter trial. That's not the guy you want helping you out when you have some kind of medical issue. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I'd say, uh, unfortunately, I'm not giving uh, Mama Jackson very long. (laughs) She might want to stay out of hot tubs and uh, away from other... uh, other things that could get her suicided. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then uh, in the real news category, this one, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. I've listened to his power tapes back in the in the late 80s. And really? This is, this is news to me. I found it inspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has this firewalk thing. He does the firewalk. Yeah, firewalk crock of crap. Yes, go on. Which I've always thought is to be, a, it's got to be a trick, some kind of scam. No, there's no trick. It's just something you can do as long as your, your feet aren't wet. So apparently uh, there was a Tony Robbins convention and they, uh, where was this? Uh, oh, it was in San Jose. And 21 people uh, had to be taken to the hospital with the uh, Second and third degree burns from the firewalk. <laughs> so I think the trick, they did something wrong with the trick. Yeah, they did. The trick that they probably used, for example, there are, you know, the, the, kind of, the kind of wood that you have to burn has to be of a certain friable type. Yeah, that someone, used the, yeah someone used the, the wrong wood, I, th- I think. Somebody used the wrong product, and next thing you know, everyone's got their feet burned off. But I love, the, I love, well, the, I mean, if you're that good at firewalking, I say take coal, hard coal. Uh, bituminous coal, torch it off, and walk across that and see how far you well, get. Well, no, he's not going to. That's the whole point. That's why it was no, funny. No, it's supposed to be some magic. You know, you can do anything <laughs> if you have their strength of will walking across the fire. <laughs> they all got their feet <laughs> burned up. I love the, the fire department captain. Uh, his quote, we discourage people from walking over hot coals. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know, if they put charcoal down there, would you? This, it would be bad. You know, somebody probably put, you know, Kingsford, you know, put that down and try to walk across that. So now I'm like, wow, man. So I guess he's uh, he, he's a kind of scammy. <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. thought, I thought it was real. Uh, Gibbo Nation Lowlands, just to wrap it up here. This is uh, from the category. Shut up, slave. 47-year-old man has been given 80 hours community service and a 90-day jail term. Uh, you know why? No. During the Queen's Day celebrations, he insulted the Queen. What? Yeah. (laughs) He had already served 13 days in jail in pretrial custody. And he was convicted. 
You cannot insult the queen. Huh. He was convicted. Is he in, is he in the slammer? No, he has uh, 80 hours of community, oh, service, community and service and a 90-day day jail term. Those three months in the slammer and 80 hours picking up what garbage. What did he say? He said that, well, it was like a whole thing. He said, you know, she was evil and, you know, part of the Illuminati, the elite. You know, well, you've they, been saying that for a while. How come you're not in the, in, in the slammer when you show up over there? I don't know if there's an extradition treaty with uh, the Netherlands. Well, actually, yeah, they, I don't know. They, I guess, I guess they like me. I don't know. I don't know. But I've said these things for sure. In fact, I'll say it again. She's an evil Illuminati elitist uh, uh, baby eater. She's not a baby eater. <laughs> just, 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 just trying to get some promotion for the show, John. Come on, man. <laughs> we, we need... Getting thrown in jail is not promotion for the show. It is. Prom- Are you kidding me? Of course it's promotion for the show. We can't do the show with somebody in jail. That's the problem. Yeah, but no. We I... have to do the show twice a week, and one of them's, you know, just sending messages through the guards, you know, in exchange for... You know, behind the scene marijuana purchases. Think it's not about gonna get this. Uh, think about the rest we'll get. Ninety days, three months of rest. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, my friend. Um, anything you want to do? Do you want to do an end of show clip, or do you have anything? Uh, well, I got a couple here. There. There's the one, the long PBS News Hour. Uh, there's also I have a really funny newsroom show clip which we can play. I, I'd say an evergreen. I'll play. I thought you weren't going to watch that. You know, I got stuck watching because nah. it's so bad. <laughs> it is. It's so bad. It really is. I, I watch it. I watch it. It's really bad. I mean, it's filled with crappy propaganda that's poorly executed. The storyline is lame, and it's but and it's overproduced. Really overproduced. Yeah. We have this is the uh, the the PBS News Hour peculiar interview that uh, took place right after the shootings that talked about the high school being uh, they, they get no oh, this, is the end, this is the end of show clip long PBS news hour maybe yeah. end of show clip it says well do you want to do it after we say goodbye or do you want to yeah, do it now say goodbye it's just oh. an interesting little thing to listen to it's kind of a re- rehash of what happened and, and a lot of unanswered questions which I think is the main theme of that whole deal okay well, good. We have a uh, No Agenda producer update with Ms. Mickey talking about the Hot Pockets 2009 tour, which kicks off this Saturday, everybody, in our micro light mini trailer. Not the flying kind, unfortunately. As we trek through the, mi- the middle part of this great United States of Gitmo Nation, coming to you this summer. And, uh, well, uh, we'll see what uh, pops up on the radar. Of course, it's going to be a hard couple of days trying to look uh, beneath the smoke screen of dark night propaganda. But we'll do it because it's what we do. Nothing better to do. And John doesn't even get out of the house anymore. I rarely do. That's why I don't know. I see one of our listeners sent me a note saying that, which I'll correct now, which is that not that easy to get an AK-47, A and B. You won't just get a, uh, a carry permit in California as easily as I described it, but we'll see. And thank you, Bruce Wilkie, for registering MuslimHugger.com and forwarding that to No Agenda Show. Oh, God, <laughs> Coming to you from uh, Camp Mofo here in the capital of the Drone Star State of the Morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where it's a beautiful weekend, I'm John C. Dvorak. Denver Post reporter Curtis Lee was at Gateway High School in Aurora, which police turned into a command post overnight. I spoke with him earlier today. 
Curtis, welcome to the program. There's a command center at Gateway. You're not far from the theaters where the shootings occurred. What's going on there? What have police been doing at the high school? Yeah, Ray, so Gateway High School is several miles away, um, a short drive like you were saying. But at the high school, early this morning, right after the shooting occurred, they bust uh, several dozen witnesses uh, to the high school where they where they conducted interviews with them. This is, these are local police officials, um, as well as we've heard reports of the FBI uh, conducting interviews with witnesses. And then after those were done, about 6.30 or, or 7 o'clock in the morning, they slowly began to trickle out of the high school and now the high school is basically a staging area for people who have uh, who don't know where their their loved ones are friends or loved ones are located and that that's kind of what it is right now the gateway high school did you get a chance to talk to people who were in the theater when the shootings occurred when the shootings occurred, they, they, uh, when they exited the high school, several people, you know, described what they saw. One gentleman had said that he saw um, a gunman enter the the front emergency entrance uh, in in full black and a gas mask on, and he threw a canister into the the crowd, which appeared to be tear gas, and then just began began shooting. and And several people uh, described the guy as wearing all black, a gas mask, and just very calm in, in what he was doing. It is remarkable that so many people were able to get out so quickly. Did anyone tell you how they managed to get out of the theater and not get hurt? It was it was just mass chaos. Uh, one gentleman in the parking lot of the high school, he was uh, missing his shoes. Uh, he, he had lost his shoes trying to get out. People were bruised and, and, and kind of bloody and scratched up because they were just scrambling to get out in the, in the chaos of, of the, uh, the event. Tell me about the people who came searching for relatives or friends. This is a crime after all that happened in the middle of the night. Was it late morning before a lot of people even realized what happened? Absolutely. A number of people lost cell phones in the chaos trying to get out of the theater, so they weren't able to get in touch with friends and family. So a lot of people were just rushing into up to Gateway High School. Um, one gentleman had a picture of his son saying he can't get a hold of his son. Uh, it, it was just very, you know, tragic. A lot of people were in shock. They just didn't know what was going on. And um, that's what Gateway is right now. Uh, it's a place for people to go, give the name of someone that um, they can't get a hold of, and, and hopefully, you know, get information um, on their whereabouts. Did you witness any of those reunions? Did people find who they were looking for or realize the person they were looking for was either injured or even dead? Yes, several people were exiting the high school in tears, but, you know, I talked to them and they were there were tears of joy because they found out that their loved one is okay. They finally managed to get a hold of them. Uh, I have not spoke to someone who found out that their loved one or a friend or family member has passed away or was killed in the in the shooting. Curtis Lee, thanks. Shut up, slave! Start zitto, schiavo! Shut up, slave! Dvorak.org slash N-A